Greetings and welcome, all you commanders, eagles, and angels. This is Rainbird, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Taran Rama's Hard News on Friday night at BBS Radio Station 1. We're so grateful that you're joining us here tonight, and we'd like to take a few moments to set the tone for the evening and get into our heart space. So let's take a few gentle breaths. Breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Slowly and gently, let go of that dross of the day. Go into your heart space. Gather with your guides and guardians, your spirit team, your healing team, ancestors, totems, whoever you like to journey with that drumbeat with. And there's a council fire, and it's in the center. So let's gather around that council fire. Coming close. Make that perfect circle in that virtual way we know how to do as we gather around that fire. Now, let us call in the seven galactic directions in the Mayan tradition with the Kimi drums.
Welcome from the east, the house of light. May wisdom open in the dawn that is upon us so that we might see everything from everything in clarity. We welcome from the north, the house of night. May wisdom mature among us so that we may see everything from within. From the West, the house of transformation. May wisdom be transformed into right action so that we might accomplish what must be done. We greet from the South, house of the eternal sun. May right action give us the harvest so that we might enjoy the fruits of the planetary being. We greet from above the house of paradise where the star people and the ancestors gather. May their blessings reach us now. We welcome from below the house of the earth. May the beating of the crystal planet's heart Bless us with its harmony so that we might end war. We welcome from the center, source of the, of the galaxy, which is everywhere at once. May everything be recognized as the light of mutual love. I am Hunabku, even Maya, Imaho. I am Hunabku, even Maya, Imaho. I am Hunabku, even Maya, Imaho. All hail the harmony of mind and nature. All my relations. In Lakashalakin, I am another you, you are another me. So let's just stay wherever that drum beat took us. Well, we take a look at the Mayan record of days for today and for the week ahead. 
Okay. I just finished this last week. There's 10 core days in a row. And today we have the a two cold walk, the lunar the blue lunar storm. And we have the keywords for the lunar tone, the, the second tone, stabilizing, challenge, and polarize. And that storm walk keywords catalyze energy and self generation. So here's the mantra for today. I polarize in order to catalyze, stabilizing energy. Seal the matrix of self-generation with the lunar tone of challenge. I am guided by the power of magic. <clears throat> so there you go. And um didn't write down the destiny chart for the day. So I don't have it in front of me. We'll just continue with tomorrow as we as we go to Saturday. It will be a three a how, which is the yellow electric sun. We are in the way of Etnob in this way. We are working with that persistence, and <clears throat> and let's see, um, yeah, this yellow electric sun. It's a, it's a three-toe, so it's electric, so it's very active. It's <clears throat> there's movement, and the sun energy is rising to Christ consciousness. Let's look at that sun energy a little bit. Yeah, electric sun. We're already at the end. Let's, we, we didn't do... We need to do this storm energy. First, on for today. So let's do that and take a look at this visionary aspect of the walk. Um, it's about creating transformation for others. It's about lighting clear thoughts. So this is our work for today as we as we go through this day. So we have these gifts of that possibility of freedom and that power of catalyzing. That comes with this energy. So let's let go of any addiction to crisis or despair or fear. Let go of that illusion of separate. As we embrace these energies tonight, and then moving on to tomorrow, that electric sun, that sun energy, how it's yellow, <laughs> and it's it's about. It's a healing aspect. So we're working with rising to Christ consciousness with this energy and striving towards wholeness and transmuting or transmitting rather energy to others. <clears throat> this glyph carries the gift of that possibility thinking, unconditional love and the God self. So let's let go of any limitation or separation as we embrace these energies. And we also complete this the sixth union and this hob. And we start on Sunday with the seventh union, which out of thirteen unions is the center. So that's the beginning of twenty core days. So it's a four image, just the red self existing dragon. 
how appropriate as we just entered this dragon energy of the new year and we're starting these core days and that'll dominate the core days as we go through them. And the core days, this is the dead center of the, of the hob. So we're, we've got these 20 central days within the traditional layout of the Zulkin. And these days allow the energy of the universe to move with helpful amplification from the mind of light. So the Hinabku is present. So let's look for feelings of tremendous continuity in our lives as we go through these 20 days. And uh, so there you go. We start that on Sunday, and then on Monday it's the five Eek or ish, the white overtone wind. And it's also President's Day. <laughs> and um, what else? It, yeah, it's President's Day. And I, I forgot to tell you a little more about Imish. So let's test this, these 20 days and we're working with that dragon energy. Let's look at it a little closer. Excuse me for going back and forth, but I'm a little dyslexic today, I think. <laughs> anyway, Imish the dragon energy. Let's look at that a little bit. It's an artist aspect. And it's about the creation and self-dependence. It's about trusting in the universe. It's about clarity of mind. And it's the beginning of this wheel, of going around the wheel. So it carries with it the um, that gift of beginner's mind and the source of, source of creation. So we're really looking with at that primal source creation energy and that beginner's energy as we let go of any illusion of lack of support. We embrace these energies on Sunday and as a good way to begin these core days. So it's a power that powerful position of initiation coming with us with that. So um, let's embrace these energies Sunday. And then on Monday, as we celebrate President's Day, it'll be a the overtone wind, the white overtone wind. And it's a five, so that's a five-tone. The five-tone is that harmonic. And it's the, like the top of the pyramid is the fifth point of well, the four. Right? As you add the fifth point, it goes above it and activates that that um, energy of the pyramid. So this is a visionary... No, that's the wind. Yeah. <laughs> it's a visionary aspect of the, the wind, each. It's about co-creation of heaven on earth. So we're looking for truth in all matters, and we're remembering our unity with spirit with this energy as we embrace these gifts of having the voice of spirit and spirit working through us. So be be open, be grounding that energy, and let go of any judgment of others or any secretiveness as we embrace these energies on Monday. And it'll be a federal holiday in this country, so that means there's no postal service. <laughs> and we celebrate President's Day. Now, Tuesday, we have another celebration. So Tuesday is the Blue Rhythmic Night. And uh, we're working with this night energy, and it's an artist aspect. And it's about our participation, and it's about our participation and belief in our abundance. 
And it's also about learning from the dream time. So we embrace this, the gifts of having that protection of the night and, and being that mystery of life. Uh, so let's let go of any self-judgment or any withdrawal as we embrace these energies. And it also is uh, celebrated as, as the World Day of Social Justice. So our work is cut out for us. Let's have an abundance of social justice as we work with this Akbal energy and and do that do that dream time work with dreaming in social justice as we do that. So that's Tuesday and then on Wednesday it's the yellow resonant seed. And that uh means it's a Seven con resonant tone is that middle tone of the 13, so it's like the top of the mountain, uh, the way I like to see it, and it's resonant. So we're we're working with the healing aspect of the seed, and the seed invites us to um, embrace the openness to life and self-determination it's harmony seeking and it's all about timing. So we have timing going with us and we have this gifts of possibility, that potential creation that's within that seed. And uh, it's a good time to let go of any stagnation or any lack of self-confidence, let go of hesitation and any lack of trust as well. So there you go. Let's embrace this world day of social justice with these energies. Oh, no, no, that's, that was yesterday. <laughs> this is, I'm really being dyslexic tonight. So that was Wednesday is when we have the yellow resonant seed. And then on Thursday, it's an eight cheek charm. We have revisit the wave we just came from, the wave of the snake. So it's the red galactic snake. As we celebrate that octave, we are also in our own calendar I believe, yes, and that is true. It is the 22nd of February, which means it'll be a two, 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 seven twos. <laughs> if you count the four as two twos. So it's a powerful day with two energies. And uh, it makes its own portal, I'm sure. So let's look at Chichan and see what, we, what we're working with here. Chichan is a serpent. And it's a warrior aspect, and it's about remaining open to change and distinguishing between body and soul. And it's about transmuting energy. It's a very powerful day to work with these gifts of that motivation to change, working with instinct and body sensing, and letting go of any insecurity or any fears of intimacy or any issues about the body or any blockages by the ego. Let go of all that. Just like a snake shedding its skin as we embrace these energies with this two, 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 two energy <laughs> as well. And then Friday when we come back, there'll be a nine Kimi, the white solar world bridger. So we'll play the Kimi drum. <laughs> that Kimi energy, the world bridger, is a warrior aspect as well. And it's about forgiveness. And it's about moving into a state of grace. 
So we embrace the gift of being that world bridger and bridging between the past and the future, bring, bridging heaven and earth and and uh, transmutation as we, as this will occur as we do this. So let's let go of that which is no more. Let go of the ego, any controlling behavior, or any belief that life is a struggle. And then we'll talk about it some more next Friday when we come back. These are all core days for 20 days starting on Sunday, and so that's a really good time to just be in the center and, and appreciate who we are in this now moment and as a centered being in the world. <laughs> and, and we'll talk about that some more, too, next week, core days. So let's change the subject here a little bit. I want to change my hat and talk a little bit about the housekeeping. As we are listener supported radio program, it's all of us that make it happen. And this week, we um, we have fees that we owe to BBS Radio for their services, and we also assist Tara and Rama with their needs. So let's look at BBS Radio first. Um. We need $555.50 to catch up for the first two weeks of February, which is, yeah, which is now. We actually have another week where it puts us a few days behind. Um, So next week we need another $280. So that added together is going to be $830. Five dollars and fifty cents. So let's do what we can. Let's get caught up. Let's set small goals at a time. Five hundred fifty-five dollars and fifty cents. So thank you for your contributions. Here's how we do it: we go into our heart space and see what is ours to give, and then go to bbsradio.com. And there on the home page, you see the schedule for radio station one and radio station two. This program's on Radio Station 1, and you'll find it listed on Fridays at the 8 o'clock hour. That's the central time. And uh, we have a program on Thursdays at the 8 o'clock hour, too, a night at the round table with the panel. So as, as you see those two listings, that you click on the icon that's there, and it'll take you directly to our account with BBS Radio. It's two different icons. And... Uh, yeah, that, that's how you get to our account where you can make a donation using your bank card in any amount. So thank you for taking that action. Thank you for your extra generosity as we stay caught up with our work with DBS Radio. We're grateful for all your contributions. Even if it's a little bit, it all adds up. So if you're new and haven't done it, you can practice right here. This is how it goes. And we have a program on Saturdays on Radio Station 2 that you'll find listed at the 3.30 hour. And it is the true history of Nisera and our galactic origins with Tara and Rama. And so it has the same looking icon as the Friday night one. And if you click on that icon, that will take you to our account. And make, you can make your donation there. So join us on Saturdays. If you <clears throat> haven't, you know, it's a good place to be on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, you think you'll like it. So, <laughs> thank you. 
Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for joining us on our shows. We're so grateful for all that BBS Radio does to keep us on the air and keep us archived in a good way and all the good things that they do. So lots of gratitude to them. And 13 thank yous and honey in the heart to all of you for your contributions to this radio program and our way of keeping in touch with each other. And as a family, we, we get to, to, to hang out. So we're grateful for all that we do and, and all that we can do together as a group. And, um, yeah, we're grateful for all of you. So thank you. Thank you for being in our lives. And we also assist Tara and Rama with their needs. And this week they have two bills that need to be paid. They have the gas bill. is $93 for the gas bill. And they also have an electric bill they owe another $52 on. So this week could help with uh, $145 for the, um, actually $146 for for these two bills. That would be great. Uh, so thank you for for taking that action and assisting Tara and Lama. They also need $200 for the battery this week. And, um, yeah. And they also need some money for their own living expenses. $200 will work for that. So we're grateful for all your contributions. And here's how we make a contribution to Tara and Rama. You want to access their PayPal account, the Rainbow Roundtable PayPal account. Um, and you do that by going to the web address, which is Rainbow Roundtable, uh, .net. And make sure it's .net, not .com. You'll, you'll figure out the difference if you get to .com. So. <laughs> Anyway, so rainbowroundtable.net, and there on the home page, you'll see it as you're on, on a computer on the right-hand side, on the bar across the top. And if you're on another device that has that menu grid, click, click on that, and then the list will drop down, and then there's uh, a donate link next to the left uh, listing on that list. So you, you'll find it there, and if you click on that donate link, it takes you to our account with uh, Rainbow Roundtable at PayPal. And there you want to access the gifting option because that's, it, 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 we aren't commercial. Uh, so it's friends and family is what it used to be called. And I think they just call it gifting. And if you have trouble figuring it out, you can find it support. But as you see that gifting slot for uh, putting in an email, you need the email for that. And I want you to write this down. The email address you need to put for gifting is Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. So there you have it. That's the, the email address we want you to use for that. And... Either way is perfect, but we're grateful that you use the funds option as well. That money goes a little further that way without the commercial charges, and we're not commercial. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking that action. And, uh, yeah, what else? Yeah, as you're sending something, let Ron know that you sent something. Send him an email. His email address is Koran999 
at comcast.net. And then as you need it, the mailing address is as follows. Rom D. Berkowitz, R-A-M-D. Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Post Office Box 280-280, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567 is the zip. I'll say it again. Post Office Box 280-280, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, and the zip 87567. So, there you have it, all the information, and again, we're so grateful for your lives. Thank you for showing up this way. We're grateful for all that Tara and Mama do and the information they bring us, and I hope they bring me information from yesterday when they give an update because I fell asleep. Anyway, um, yeah, update is, we're ready, so <laughs> 13 thank yous and honey in the heart, and I'm passing this talking stick. Uh, to you, and this talking stick is definitely got that dragon energy on it. It it looks it looks fiery, and it looks active. It looks green, and it's got it's a wood dragon, so it has all the hues of different woods in it, like all the hues of different races on the planet. And it is just gorgeous. And it is accompanied by lots of fairies and feathers. The talking stick has all that, the fairies and feathers and the little people and the big people and unicorns as well as a bunch of little dragons. And so greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking stick. Welcome. Greetings. Greetings. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Rainbird. Thank you, everyone that's here. And We are so grateful to be here. And, and with everyone. Yes, and wherever everyone else is, they're getting it at another level. Yes. And uh, so, Rama, what... What say you from your experiences today? Um, there was a humongous X-class solar flare, 2.56. And uh, we probably are going to see some aurora borealises in the next few days. And the energies are tremendously high. There is this, um, what Tom, the ringtail cat, and sweet Angelique, the cat, called it is plasmatic light coming in with pastel colors in the sky. And this is not just the chemtrails that are out there. They have been spraying for days and still and yet the pastel colors with the plasmatic light is pouring in. And it's raising everything up. I didn't get a headache today with the X-Class flare. Um... 
I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> it is just amazing to watch what is unfolding. I don't know what to say about Gaza except blaze the fire. What is going on is uh, not good. It, it's like you said, Rainbird. It is time for peace in the world. And um, Blaze Violet Fire. It's overdue. Way, way overdue, everybody. Yes. So, continue to send good vibrations to all the people around you and beyond. It's time to wake up. It is. And today, okay. Okay, I'll read this real quick. Okay. And then Rama's got something to play for us from Aurora Ray. Um, this is what Rama learned today. He said, I sat with three deer and seven crows at Fort Marcy Park in the trees at 11.08 this morning. Then I received a text message from Tom the Real Ringtail Cat and Sweet Angelique the Cat at about 11.20 a.m. this morning. They said to me, Lord Rama, there was an X-class 2.56 solar flare today. We are hoping your head is not hurting. <laughs> These solar flares are only going to get bigger. The magnetosphere is letting in the plasmatic is letting the plasmatic light in this light is showing up as pastel colors in the sky please keep gaza in the circle of support and blaze the violet fire the world is dealing with a madman and he needs to be Contained. Everybody knows who we're talking about by now. Yeah. There are things going on that we are not at liberty. That we are not at liberty to tell you. What we can tell you is to keep looking up. There is a multiversal shift going on throughout all the seven super universes and divine intervention is at hand it is all we are saying is give peace in all capital letters a chance satnam namaste and blaze of violet fire and so let's play this now wrong mm. tell everybody what this, this is. is aurora ray ascension near Ascension nearing its ultimate phase with Pleiadian wisdom. The Pleiadians' connection to the Earth, the Pleiadians, are a group of star beings from the Pleiades, a star system located in the constellation Taurus. They participated in the original creation of Earth, the Pleiadians are an extension of our soul group. 
They were with us when we were children and when we were born into this world. They were with all of us throughout our lives on earth, assisting and guiding us as needed. Our Pleiadian ancestors are among our most important teachers because they understand the nature of reality and how it works. They have been able to observe what is happening on earth from a higher perspective than humans here at present can see from their perspective on earth. The Pleiadian system is a blueprint for life on earth that has been used by many civilizations over time. This blueprint contains information that can be used by anyone with enough determination to find it or seek it out. It is a divinely inspired map that makes it possible for us all to make sense of our lives and find fulfillment in them. Pleiadian ancestors have been called the universe's emissaries because they have a mission to bring forth a new consciousness on earth. They are assisting humanity in reaching a higher level of consciousness and moving forward spiritually, emotionally, and physically. They are here now on earth, helping us make changes in our lives that will benefit all people on earth. Their message is one of love and compassion for all living beings, humans and animals alike. Their teachings are intended to help us understand our place in the universe and how we can use this knowledge to change our lives for the better. They have the ability to help us raise our frequencies so we can be aligned with source energy from above, which will allow us to access our true potential as human beings through an expanded state of consciousness. This process is called ascension or returning home to source energy from where we came in order for all life forms to experience true love and peace on planet Earth together as one united family under one united family under one creator God source energy force field. The Pleiadians are masters at making the invisible visible and they use light and energy to do so. They have been instrumental in helping many people through their lifetimes who have had difficulty with various aspects of their lives. They want to help you as well, but you must be willing to receive their assistance and ask for it. You cannot just ask for help and expect it to be given. You must be willing to open yourself up to receive the help that is available. You must take action in your life so that it becomes more positive and harmonious without holding back any part of yourself from receiving assistance from them. The Pleiadians have been working with humans for many years, but they have never been seen by the general public. They have been very discreet about their existence, making sure that only those who are ready for them will see them. They do not interfere in the affairs of humanity. Instead, they watch over us from afar and help us make changes in our lives that will benefit all people on Earth. The Pleiadians teach us that there are two paths that we can choose. One path leads to unconditional love and the other path leads to fear. These two paths exist on a three timeline that is playing out at this very moment on our planet. During this time of change, we will all have an opportunity to choose our path in life and create it with unconditional love or fear. The Pleiadians will be visiting and meeting in various places in the years to come. With all the technological gadgets, we can't deny we have lost touch with nature. Now is the time to pay attention to our surroundings and heal the planet, for us and for them. We are now at a time in our evolution where we must make changes in order to survive as a species on this planet. 
the shift in vibration and consciousness has begun. As we are now in the midst of ascension, many feel confused and unprepared for this change, even though they know it is coming. The Pleiadians have helped awaken humanity through their connection to the Earth, and they are asking you to connect more to nature. They are here to assist humankind in our process of re-embodiment, healing, and attunement to the higher frequencies that we are receiving from our sun. This shift is going to happen whether or not you prepare for it, although I would prefer that you be prepared for it. We love you dearly. We are here with you. We are your family of light. We are the Galactic Federation. The second American Civil <laughs> Okay, Rama, give us the numbers. Um, 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353-863-POUND. And we'll see you there. And uh, we'll be back back here at BBS Radio at the top of the next hour. So we'll see you on the conference for now. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Namaste for now.
Precious Heart, thank you for joining us for our weekly vlog. Tomorrow is St. Valentine's Day. This is a day when millions of people around the world focus on love 
and joyously express their love in unique ways to the people in their lives. Humanity's focus of attention on Valentine's Day creates a collective cup of consciousness that provides our Mother God with the opportunity to exponentially expand her comprehensive divine love through the heart and mind of every person on earth. We are being told by our Father Mother God that in 2024, the expansion of our Mother God's comprehensive divine love will be a critical facet of the divine mission awakening humanity is being called to fulfill. Please open your heart and mind as you listen to these words. Today, in the silence of every person's newly recalibrated heart flame, our Father, Mother, God are sounding a cosmic tone with the divine intent of awakening to new levels within each of us, the knowing that we are one and that there is no separation. This sacred and holy day, our Father, Mother, God are asking awakening humanity to assist with this holy endeavor by intensifying our efforts to hold our sisters and brothers in the family of humanity within the full embrace of our divine love. Outer world appearances and painful experiences have caused many people to become cynical about love and the concept of the oneness of all life. They think this kind of unconditional love is unrealistic and superficial. So today, during this critical stage of our ascension process, our Father, Mother, God want to remind humanity of an important truth that they shared with us when our Mother God was finally able to return to Earth and reclaim her position within the divinity of every person's heart flame. Please go within to the divinity of your heart and contemplate the following words from our Father, Mother God, within the flame of illumined truth that is pulsating there. And we begin. So much has been written about love that it has almost become a platitude. But the comprehensive divine love of our Mother God is the mightiest force in the universe. It is the vibration from which we were born out of the heart of God. And it is the vibration through which we must now evolve and ascend back into the heart of God. The love of our Mother God has no bonds, nor barriers, nor conditions. Within the infinite power of our Mother God's love, there is no pain or sorrow, no lack or limitation. 
Her love contains within its essence the full potential to rise above all human conditions, all self-inflicted suffering, and all manner of chaos, confusion, hopelessness, and despair. Our Mother God's love heals the illusion of separation. It rejuvenates, revitalizes, and makes whole all that it embraces. It is the single greatest source of forgiveness, and it reverberates with the full gathered momentum of our eternal freedom in the light. Our Mother God's love is the foundation of all creation. It is the indivisible, unchanging ecstasy that allows us to know love in all things. When we experience the love of our Mother God, we understand that we are all one. We know that every particle and wave of life is interconnected, interdependent, and interrelated. Whether we are a magnificent sun, a person, or a blade of grass, we are united in the body of our Father Mother God by the all-encompassing, cohesive light of our Mother God's comprehensive divine love. As our Mother God reclaims this earth and once again anoints humanity with her infinite love, we are beginning to experience a deep reverence for all life. Our Mother's love is now pulsating within the core of our beings. It is not outside of us. We no longer need to seek the Divine Feminine from afar. We need to merely accept that our Mother God has returned and that she is now abiding within every person's heart flame. Her love is pulsating within the silent rhythm of every heartbeat, every breath. It is the universal language now speaking to all humanity through our gift of life. As we take the time to listen in the silence of our heart, we hear the cosmic tone and the whisperings of our Mother God's love, inspired by the wonders of nature and the music of the spheres. Our Mother God is now reestablishing her covenant of divine love with the children of Earth, which will enhance our ability to once and for all accept the gift of God's eternal peace and infinite abundance. Through this covenant, the supply of all good things will forever and ever flood into the hands and use of the sons and daughters of God. The glory 
of God's eternal peace and infinite abundance will be a manifest reality, not only in this moment, but far beyond the earth and time into eternity. Now, the beings of light from our grand central sun are joining us for an invocation that will assist every person on earth, even the most recalcitrant and asleep sons and daughters of God, to hear the cosmic tone that is reverberating within every person's newly recalibrated and balanced heart flame. Our selfless participation in this invocation will help the I am presence of every person on earth to awaken within them the knowing that we are one. The beings of light are now entering the aura of the I am presence of every son and daughter of God abiding on earth. Together, we will integrate the highest possible comprehension of our mother God's love and the oneness of all life into our heart flames and our conscious mind. O Supreme Presence of God within all life, into your eternal heart of love do I immerse myself and all life on this sweet earth. I consciously surrender my earthly bodies to be merged with the love nature of your being until I am a pure focus of your comprehensive divine love, a living jewel in your crown of adoration. The path I walk in life leads only to love. My physical body filled with love becomes shining and invincible. My etheric body radiating love transmutes the past. Love in my mind ensures the expression of your divine thoughts. Love in my feelings reaffirms that God is the only power acting. As I am thinking, feeling, and remembering only love, I know that my I am presence is working through me, radiating forth the perfection of my omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent Father, Mother, God, all that is to humanity and all life, which I have promised to love free. In this awakened consciousness of comprehensive divine love, my spirit becomes Holy Spirit. 
and I am the love of God reaching out to claim this earth. In love, I magnetize all of God's blessings to me. And in love, I radiate these blessings forth to all life around me. I am the spirit of love permeating form until all is drawn back into the indivisible whole. I feel the pulse beat of love in all life and the continuity of love in all of the experiences I have ever known. It is all love. I was born out of love. I am evolving through love and I am ascending back into love. I am all love and I am eternally grateful. And so it is. Beloved, I am. Dear one, God bless you. I look forward to being with you next week. Goddess Sekhmet Psychic Protection Transmission. And this transmission can be used to create a protective field of light around you, which can move with you throughout your day. You can also use this transmission to create a protective field of light around a building or a particular room, such as a bedroom. And before starting this transmission, you need to choose which of these is the main focus. So open body, open mind. And with your breath stilling the mind and connecting to your body, the core of your body, cycle of breath, the light on the in-breath into the physical body from the universe around you, 360 degrees, light from the stars and the sun, into the physical body of bones, blood and cells. Anywhere you are holding low frequency energies, that do not serve you on the out-breath purge and release. 
sending them back to the universe, allowing more space for your own light in your physical body. And following that cycle of breath on the in-breath, light into the emotional body, a fluid field of energy that surrounds and penetrates the physical. Anywhere you are holding other people's energy, emotional energy, on the out-breath purge and release, sending that back to the light, back to the universe. Allowing more space for your own soul's light in the emotional body. And following the cycle of breath on the in-breath light into the mental body. Into the mental body, anywhere you are holding other people's thoughts, ideas, belief systems, judgments, projected energy, stories. On the out-breath, purge and release, releasing them from your mental body. Allowing more space for your own soul's light in the mental body. And following that cycle of breath. Call to you now, your teams in spirit with the highest light and resonance. Your higher selves from the sixth to the twelfth dimension. Your monad, the oversoul. All 5D to 12D helpers, guides, angels, archangels, star beings, star races, star councils, specialist teams working with you, all ascended beings of light who are helping you now. Come be with you now. Come be with you now. And just wait and feel that connection of light from the crown downwards, all the way down to the feet. As that is happening, I call the Archangels of the Horizontal Plane, beginning in the East with Raphael, Archangel of Air. The symbol, a crystal wand. The energy, emerald green fire. Focusing on the wand and calling that fire to hold your space in this transmission. south is Michael, Archangel of the Element of Fire, the symbol a sword of flaming blue light, the energy electric blue fire. As you focus on the sword, calling that fire into your space to hold your space.
blessed is Gabriel, Archangel of Water. The symbol, a silver chalice and the energy, diamond white fire. As you focus on that symbol, calling that fire into your space to hold your space. angel completing the horizontal plane, the circle of light, is Uriel, Archangel of Earth. The symbol, a golden pentacle. The energy, ruby red fire. As you focus on that symbol, calling that fire into your space. angels, four energies and open. Feeling yourself held on the horizontal plane with these four energies around you, holding you in light, a higher frequency of light. Let's also call the archangels holding the vertical plane, Metatron and Sandophon. Beginning with Metatron from the great central sun to bring that fiery light down into this dimension, ascending dimension of the earth plane down into the structure of the building you're in. into the room or space you're in, creating a protective space around you of fiery light. If you're in a room, calling that light into the walls, floor, ceiling, door, window around you. If not, it might appear as a bubble of light around you if you're in nature during this transmission. Just allowing the energy to settle around you, holding you. Then let's call the Archangel of the Below Space, Sandophon, of the diamond white crystalline grid of the Earth. 
calling that energy up to the foundation of the building, up to your feet, up to the legs, up to the base chakra, up to the pelvic area. Grounding you into the earth. Six archangels, six energies in the open. And just breathing and opening and at this point setting the intention for this transmission. Whether you're creating a movable force field around you that you can take with you throughout your day or a more fixed force field of light which stays with a building or a room. So just set the intention. And let's call the goddess Sekhmet to be present in this transmission. And wherever you are, let's call the goddess into the place of the rising sun. And the archangel holding this direction steps back to allow her the space to manifest. And gradually see or sense her as a tall presence, perhaps several feet tall, head of a lioness, body of a woman, In front of her, she holds a tall staff, as tall as her. At the top, a glowing fiery red crystal. The crystal glows with a brilliant light. And also Sekhmet's eyes begin to match this deep fiery light. presence radiating a powerful strong protective field one side of you a fiery red energy radiating in the place of the rising sun.
And then we invoke her 90 degrees clockwise. And the archangel holding this direction steps back to allow the space to manifest. Again, sensing her manifesting in this space as a tall presence. Similarly, in her hand, a staff, tall staff at the top, the same glowing fiery red crystal. Her eyes matching that fire. And feeling her presence here, radiating a strong protective presence. The goddess manifests in two directions around you. Again, turning your mind clockwise 90 degrees. The archangel holding this direction steps back to allow her the space. Again, sensing her manifesting as a tall presence. In her hand, the crystal top staff. radiating the same fire feeling her presence in this direction a strong fiery red light Turning clockwise in your mind, 90 degrees, completing the circle, the archangel holding this direction steps back. Again, allowing the space to manifest. And the goddess Sekhmet begins manifesting in the space again as a tall presence. holding the staff, the crystal, her eyes radiating the same fire. Feeling her presence in this direction, again radiating a strong protective presence.
segment around you in four directions. In all four directions, the fiery crystal on the staff, a fiery light begins to be sent down from each of the four crystals through the staff into the earth. And sense these four columns of light down into the earth around you. And just know they're arching towards each other to meet at a central point beneath your feet. Creating a protective energy field below your space. And then the four crystals begin to vibrate, sending a fiery red light upwards over your head. Arching towards each other at a central point above your head. Connecting at that point Again, creating a protective energy field above your space. columns of fiery light around you held by the goddess meeting beneath your feet meeting above your head
allow these columns above and below and around to thicken. Creating an intense field of fiery red light around you and the space you're in. Just knowing you've set the intention for this light to move with you or to remain fixed in the space. And just allow the goddess to reach inside of you with this fiery light. Anywhere you need to release energy, allow her to touch you with a finger of fiery light or perhaps a gaze of fire allowing a gentle fire into your field Anywhere you are holding anything that should not be there, of an alien or dense crystalline nature that doesn't serve you, allow the goddess now to pull out and remove anything in your field.
the archangels around you can feel the space with a gentle light, a gentle fire. Sekhmet removing and the archangels sealing and filling your space as necessary. this transmission is intended to protect the space just allow that fiery light into the walls absorbed into the walls the floor the ceiling the windows closing off the whole space in this fiery light burning any lower astral interferences here mission is to follow you throughout your day just allow it to be a movable energy a movable grid of fiery light around you thank the goddess for helping you in this transmission protecting your space or protecting a space so she steps back in all four directions
and also releasing the archangels of the horizontal plane, Uriel, Gabriel, Michael, Raphael, with thanks. Releasing the vertical plane angels, Metatron and Sandophon with thanks. Finally, your teams in spirit, thanking them and releasing them from the space. And this transmission is offered you as always with love and blessings, love and blessings. all servants of peace. Peace. Greetings, Mother, in the light of the Most Great One, in the office of the Christ, and only in the office of the Christ, we invoke the loving energies of Saint Germain, and we ask at this time she who was here before the gods were here to be with us now for a moment of introspection for the hope of peace for the world now <laughs> Greetings, Mother. Greetings, 
children of Brahman. It is a good day to be here. <coughs> Energies are quite intense. what the sun likes to do. Keeps it exciting. <laughs> Never a dull moment in this sector of the galaxy. Lots of stuff going on. Quite awesome to behold what's unfolding. Four more coming up here. Gotta let all the old stuff go. Bring in what's this fifth dimension. That's expanding more each day. radiant love of the violet flame that is pouring in from the center of all that is raising everything up right now. Pluto continues to move through Aquarius, stirring everything up. The old energies gotta shift. War is over as you want it. And the time is now with what's unfolding. The solar flares continue. It is a gift to this planet. <sighs>
Mother, isn't it time for peace now? It is indeed time for peace. What are we going to do with that Mr. Netanyahu? Let's say the energies in of themselves are making it so that it is increasingly more intense for folks like that than ever before on this planet as they continue to play with the energies of needing a blood sacrifice. They seal their own fates with their energies that are anything but perfection. Gotta live in the moment. That moment is now. And in this now frequency, peace and love are the order of the day. This old energy is rapidly dissipating, even though it looks the way it looks. It is about this transition that's happening. Multidimensionality, right, Mother? Yes. There are many visitors from many dimensions many other universes that are here. And since this is a multi-universal story, every sector of this local universe of Nebadon, all the beings are answering Lord Michael's call to show up in this moment as Earth is ascending in each breath. 
were experiencing it in the context of as things are getting lighter with each passing day. The karma these old ones have created, catching up with them even faster. War never serves any useful purpose except to create more chaos. Mm. Many old stories being gone by the wayside. The completion of this is at hand. This is a moment to rejoice, reflect, and at the same breath, same moment, send more love to the situations at hand. So the power of transforming this energy is in the hands of the people. It is indeed. And you will, along with all the hosts of heavens, come in and help us. Yes. As we ask, right, Mother? Yes. We ask, will you come in and help us? And it is so. And so it is. Aho. Itakuyasin. To all my relations. Doesn't the human race, I mean, they're, it seems like they're tired of fighting for things. It would certainly seem that way. It is this elusive grasp wanting to hold on to the old stories that only serve an ancient form of mind control and magic that is not for the highest good of all concern, a kind of magic requires a blood sacrifice that is over and done with. Enough oceans upon oceans of blood. It's time to let it go.
power unless we give it to them. And they are running out of money very quickly. This story is completing itself in spite of their best efforts to keep it going. They're running out of excuses. Netanyahu is afraid of what might happen to him if he doesn't have the war to keep going, mother. And he's he's got a reason to be because he's got two outstanding criminal indictments on his hands. Well, fates have already determined his outcome. Oh, but that's that proverbial, when, mother, when? Not going to say when. We're going to say... How? Work with the insight of completing this as you look in the realm of what's unfolding, the light pouring in from the Hunaku, all the central suns, and there are so many central suns. Let's say gotta stay in this present moment of now. We cannot explain what now means. Mm. Only to say wherever you go, there you are. So it is a constant every moment is in this now time. There are many folks speaking about this concept of time, how it is very much an illusion as things shift in the consciousness happy thoughts take you across the universe in an instant mm-hmm. gotta remember the happy thoughts I remember when uh, Rana Mu told Rama you know they crossed over that canyon into Suki and yes Ranamu said, just watch the back of my head. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> and we did it. That's what's happening right now. As the whole planet is being raised up 
with the upliftment of joy, things are shifting pretty instantaneously, as you can observe. It is quite intense to be here at this time, maintain a bit of sanity. Well, it's coming up again on, I think, March 6th or something, the economy's going to collapse again. Something about that. I heard something about that. Yes, your Congress has taken a leave of absence. <laughs> to do what? I per, per chance, do you know? It's called delay, 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 right? They have, let's say, relieved their minds from, oh, it is a form of say, they have lost their minds. <laughs> Not all of them, just a few on that right side of the aisle that are still stuck in the matrix. Matrix falling apart more and more each day. They cannot keep it up. Everything is turning up roses and gotta watch the thorns it's a challenge yeah well mr Donald Trump has been, uh, by Judge Angoran, I mean, charged him 400 and, uh, let's see, 453 dollars. $53,500,000 to pony up and pay, mother. I don't think he has it. No, he does not have it. And he's not allowed to do any business at all for three years in New York. That's a bit of a problem for Donald. Preparations are being made to remove these ones. It is the timing of this we cannot say yeah it is about the shifting of the ages as you are fully anchoring the fifth dimension these old stories 
of old tired nights and knaves and oh <laughs> serfs, kings, queens. Everybody equal in this planetary system. It is about the radiance of the sun pouring in at this time. That is the determining factor of what's unfolding. The radiance of the sun is the biggest thing going on. Gotta be a bit under a rock not to get it. Quite a experience to be here at this time, we must say. Place the violet fire. Better be on our way. I just wanted to really quote it to you, Mother. Uh, we talked about it on the conference line. Yet, um, it was about uh, 7 o'clock at night, and... Um, um, at that time, attorney, New York Attorney General Letitia James reacted to the ruling, which was that $453,500,000 he was ordered to pay uh, in the fraud trial. And... Um, and then he, uh, Letitia James, she came out and she said, Donald Trump may have authored the, the art of the deal, yet he perfected the art of the steal. Oh, that was the attorney from New York, not... Letitia James, yeah. yes. And, and he's been ordered not to be able to do business in New York for three years. That's not going to work for him, you know. There's a cargo ship with his name on it. Where does it go? Oh, to Draco's? Yes. Just one of many. 500,000. That is that's gonna be a bit of a multi-dimensional shift, mother. It is about waking up to the reality. You live in a galactic neighborhood. Everybody knows everybody else, and we live in balance, peace, and love. Mm-hmm. War is not the answer. Compassion is. Have compassion for these souls mm -hmm. that have 
made a choice and we must do what we must do in terms of completing a cycle here of returning these ones from where they came from this psychodrama began in Dracos with these Princess Ardala and King Dracos they let's say there was these conflicts that occurred long ago between the Pleiadian Syrians, the other galactic races. You know the story, Prism Alira. It is time for the completion of this cycle. 26,826 years ago. Oh, we were children. Decided to play with the wayward energies. Has gone downhill ever since. And something turned around after harmonic convergence. Even before that, and the light pouring in can't be stopped, and they can't take it. And Tough Titty said the kitty when the milk went dry. <laughs> it is about this cycle of working with the love frequencies that is the order of the day and they're gonna have to take their spoonful of medicine my taste's a bit bitter for them quite sweet for the rest of us well, we're not playing Revenge of the Sith. No. I believe people, I mean, I've been listening to the people calling in on Tom Hartman for three hours a day, five days a week for years and years and years. And uh, it's quite wise what the people are saying right now. People have woken up. Yeah. To the Matrix. It is ending now. Mm -hmm. And we got light years to go before we sleep. <laughs> Greetings. Greetings. Thank you, Mother. Thank you. The most radiant one. Until we meet again. Kadosh. 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 Auto nice, how about you? Kadosh, 
Kadosh, Kadosh, Adonai, Shabbat Kadosh, 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 Adonai, Shabbat Eliyahu, 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 Yodhi, Bodhi, Yava, Adonai, Asu, Barakas. Namaste, Mother. We'll just give a little minute here of time for Rama to come back. Greetings, Ram. You're back. Greetings. Where did you go? Oh. Mount Kailash. Ah. <sighs> to get a dose of shaki pot. So did you connect with the, the, the nameless ones? No. Just the energies of Shiva Shakti, that vortex mm-hmm. of Mount Kailash, the spark of everlasting life. There are so many chambers in that place. Mount Kailash is quite, uh, you could travel through that um, the city and walk through the whole city and not get to see it in one day. It is so large under there. It might take about four or five days to see that whole city under Mount Kailash. It is like what Telos Many of the inner earth cities are so awesome to behold. And we're going to get to see it any time now. I passed the talking stick. So let's see now, everybody. Mm. Where are we going here? <laughs> mm. We're going to go to get my magnifying glass here. We're going to go to contactee abilities, telekinesis and teleportation. Oh, okay. Okay, let me 
This is featuring Jean Charles Moyen. And George Nury is the host. I will read this little story while you're getting there, okay? Rama? Okay. What if a four-year-old boy received the gifts of telekinesis and teleportation related to serial ET experiences throughout his childhood? Jean Charles Moyen, an ET contactee, is the writer-producer of Revelations Starseed 2, mm-hmm. a film documenting his personal account of serial ET contact throughout his childhood. Moyen shares the details mm-hmm. of his experiences on board ET craft as well as 3D encounters on Earth with greys and men in black. At 16, Moyen began exhibiting sensory interference with electromagnetics before he began teleporting and then became a telekinetic conductor. International scientists Dan Winter and Patrick Bott reveal results of psycho psychometric tests on Moyen and then it goes on dot dot dot. Yeah. Did you find it? Oh I got it here. I <laughs> Oh it has I... escaped your Oh it's this Eli different little places um just a second okay um, I mean I think if we all look, think back and remember our dreams and things that we um, experience when we were younger I think we will because our intuition is very keen when we're small mm-hmm. okay did you find it? yeah alright here we go <laughs> here we go everybody mm. This is 35 minutes. Now to turn it all the way up. Welcome to Beyond Belief, and it's my privilege to introduce you to Jean-Charles Moyen, a former French Air Force parachute commando who is also an ET contactee and had a very unique experience in his youth that gave him extrasensory capabilities. Jean-Charles, welcome to the program. Thank you to receive me at your show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background. My background is uh, I'm a producer and uh, 
director of a different uh, movie for a different company in the world. And I decide with my abilities to explain myself, my story, unique story about my uh, alien contact encounters during my life and my uh, special uh, abilities uh, after this uh, abduction. This alien contact that happened to you, when did this happen? It's happened when I was four. I was um, with my parents uh, in, uh, in the summer, I playing in the sand, and uh, suddenly uh, my mother um, uh, rise his head and uh, I disappear. And uh, my parents were was panicked. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, they decide to search me with a lifeguard. And uh, after one hour, they don't find me. And uh, my parents cry. And uh, suddenly I reappear in the front of my parents. Were you abducted? Yes. Do, I was you, do you have any recollection at four years old what happened to you? Yes. After that, I explained uh, to my parents. I was in a spaceship and I met a lot of uh, spaces different and I walk in the corridor and uh, at yes. four years old. Did they hurt you at all? No, 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 not hurt me. Everything was very um, good, very kind with me. Uh, I remember I was uh, stand on the table in the metal table. It was a liquid metal intelligent. And when I move, it, it follow my... Uh, it flowed with you. Yes, exactly. And there were the four beings light beings in 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 the front of me and behind in the, in my side and they check something in my head jean charles did this contact the case happen over and over again or was it just one time not just one time it's happening a lot of times after that because after my first abduction on the, on the beach uh, I develop something very strange abilities, like my interaction with uh, electricity and energy. When I'm crying, like other child, everything was shut down. And what did your parents say when you finally came back? Nothing. Uh, they was very, nothing. You no, know, they was very happy. They they found me, and uh, at this moment, they, they they don't connect the link with uh, abduction. For my parents, it was okay. We found uh, our son and uh, it's okay. But after that, they, they um, was witness of my abilities like telekinesis, something uh, move with my mind. Absolutely. And uh, they realized, oh my God, there is sometimes a connection with the abduction uh, on the beach. This is truly remarkable. In an English dub version of Jean-Charles' film, his parents explained that he actually disappeared as he mentioned, for an hour. I was completely desperate. I think we've made it so that we don't pay attention until we can beam you up. And your mother said to me, where is Jean Charles? What do you mean? Oh, he's gone. You were next to us, playing in the sand. You were crouching in the water at the water's edge. And then I remember you were playing in the sand and you had your shovel and your bucket. Then suddenly, I turned around. No more kid. That's it. And we ran around, of course, by interviewing all the people. You didn't see a little blonde boy with curls, with a little blue bathing suit and a hat? And it lasted one hour, one hour of time. That we did the beach, from side to side. And then, I was completely destroyed. You have to understand that. And suddenly, you were there, crouching again next to us, as if nothing had happened. Unbelievable. 
We didn't understand what happened. We didn't try to understand. We never thought about anything else. You were gone. We didn't ask the question. What was happening was we were very happy to have found you. And then we always asked ourselves the question for years. What happened? That's a remarkable testimony of your parents. Yes, my parents is alive and they are 81. And I'm very grateful for that. They can testimony all I live in my life during all until my life. They can testimony because they were with me each time. What did they think about this episode? I mean, are they in shock still? No, they, my parents have open mind since I was a child. And each time I describe something, there is the proof, evidence in the front right. of my parents. So it was normal. They know I'm different. So they keep the secret uh, around us because at this moment, there is a 45 years. Imagine the people judge everything. They can think you're, you're crazy or go to the psychiatric. And this is the reason why they keep the secret about me. Jean-Charles, this happened when you were four. Yes. But then something happened at the age of 13. What was that? In the summer camp, I had a big sunstroke over my head and I was hospitalized. And during my hospitalization, they do an X-ray of my brain and they discover it was like a tic-tac capsule right, metal right. in my brain. So it was very special, you know. Amazing. And at this moment, uh, they, they put me a mask with a green gaze uh, for me and uh, I lost consciousness. And I was wake up in the night with a, another military guys, white hair, blue eyes. And he tell me, hurry up. I don't want to miss the jump. At this moment, I don't understand what he say about the jump. Mm-hmm. So I follow these guys in a big corridor in the hospital. We take an elevator. And, and you're still 13. Right? Yes, 13. Okay. And we take an elevator and we go down, go down, go down. And I say to myself, my God, it's very deep for an hospital. And I'm stressed. And when I'm stressed, my interaction with the light starts. And the light pulsating and shut down. From you? Yes. And uh, we are in the dark, in, 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 uh, in an elevator. So the military guys tell me, keep cool, everything is okay. Don't be afraid. And the light's on. We arrive on the basement of the hospital and we enter in a big anger. And there is a lot of children with a, a, a white suit. And it tell me, go to this um, table. There is a table with a woman. She tell me, put your hand in this little box. It's for analyze your DNA signature. I put my hand. And after that, I feel uh, a hot, a heat in my hand. No, and no pain, no. No pain. And she gave me a suit, a black suit with an emblem on my chest, it was um, a horse wing, like a Pegasus. And she tell me, go to this line with other child, go to this light. And there is a like a, a big hole of light and I enter inside. And when I enter inside, I feel tingling into my body. And when I open my eyes, I was in another anger with a lot of children they separate uh, uh, girls and boys, okay. and they test our fear. 
Many failed, but not me. Not you. And the guys, military guys, and the X-ray doctor tell me, come, go to this room, a shadow room. I go inside, and inside I feel something, not a fear, but something very strange in front of me. And in a shadow, get out a big mantis. She put his paw in my shoulder and communicate telepathically with me and tell me everything is okay. You have been chosen. And I wake up just like that in my bed on the hospital. Like you didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I say, oh, my God, what's happening? And I lost consciousness again. And suddenly I was wake up with a big horn of of car. You were outside of the hospital? And I don't remember how I outside. How did you get there? Yes, exactly. So I was in the bus to go in the summer camp. It's frightening. Yeah. (laughs) But... After that, when I came back to the summer camp, I'm 13, you know, so I explained to my uh, little friend what's happening. They treat me like uh, crazy and blah, blah, blah. I was very, very, very sad, you know. So I decide when every boy sleeping, I get out with the, the chalet where I was and I sat down on the field and I say to myself and I look up the stars Came and get me. I can't stay here anymore. And at this moment, a star moving, and the star transformed to a disc. And I was abducted again. 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 And when I came into the spaceship, and at this moment, there is a blonde girl, woman in a silver suit. Human. Humans with a big blue eyes. She tell me, hello, my name is Maria, but everybody call me Mary. Follow me. And I follow this woman in a big, big corridor, very bright. And uh, we, we saw the space view and we arrive in uh, like a school room, you know, and right. there is a lot of uh, children. Your age. Yes, my age. Older, but, younger. But there was different faces. There was all extraterrestrial. And she tell me, go to this place, to another children. Are you scared at this point? John? No, no, I, I wasn't scared. I wasn't, oh my God, I'm, I'm lucky. And uh, I was uh, very happy to be uh, at this moment, at this place. We've got some video of you, Jean-Charles, exactly. performing telekinesis exactly. at, at home. At 16. At 16 years old. Let's watch it and describe what's going on. Exactly. Tell us what we're seeing. Just uh, thinking, I opened the light and uh, shut down the light. It was uh, easy for me. It was... Uh, That's you? Yes, it, it's me at 16, yeah. You know, when I touched my head, it was so easy. And like the drawer, I put my hand in front of me and I say, come to me, come to me, come to me. Wow. Yeah. You still have these abilities, John? No. They're gone? I don't think it's gone. Maybe it's sleeping. But each time something happens now, it's when I'm stressed or when I'm tired, uh, something uh, shut down. I hope uh, everything is okay. Yeah, don't shut down my studio. (laughs) Tell us about teleportation and you. My first teleportation was accidentally. uh, I was in, uh, in a school during an exam. 
And uh, I raised my hand because I want to go to the toilet and uh, nobody answered me. And uh, I realized every people in this class was frozen. So I decided to go to the toilet. And when I entered to the toilet, it was the two floor, uh, no windows. It's like, uh, you know, four wall. And I closed the door and uh, there is, um, you know, timer for the light at, yeah. at this moment. It, it's very old school. And uh, suddenly I was in a toilet and the light shut down again, again. And uh, I was uh, dizzy and I, I, I feel tingling in a fraction of a second. And I opened my eyes. I was in a dark. Okay. And uh, I searched the button and I, I found a, another button. I don't know why. I opened the light. I was in a toilet. Okay. But not the same toilet. I was on the toilet of the apartment of my parents in a few, few kilometers of the school. Every stuff was stay on the table, my coat, my ID card, my keys, everything. So my parents tell me what's happening and I explain, oh my God, we must lie to the director. She called the director and oh, my son was sick and blah, 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 mm -hmm. and invent something, okay? Made up a story. But the guardian of the school must open the door, lock inside with no windows and no janshal inside. So it's impossible. It was really teleportation physically. Amazing. The first time. The second time, because there was a second time, I want to teleport myself. I was on the ninth floor of the building in Paris. How old are you at this point? 18. Okay. I have the picture of my girlfriend at this moment and I say, I do anything to do with her, with my girlfriend. So at this moment, I feel a heat around me, a tingling and dizzy. And when I open my eyes, I was in the front of the door of the apartment of my girlfriend in a few, few, few kilometers again. And uh, she don't understand what's happening. And uh, I take the phone. I call my mother. She called my dad. My dad uh, was in the job. In what's happening? John Charles disappeared. What do you mean? They, everything is here. The, the shoes, the IDs, the, the keys. And uh, oh my God, it's a teleportation. And we have an alarm. And uh, the door was locked inside. And she we are three keys. So my mother, my father, and me. So. It's important. It's another teleportation, really teleportation. And my my uh, my dad and my uh, mom was a uh, was witness again. You know. What can you tell us about the particle accelerator at CERN? The CERN work there is a many many years about the collider, Aldrin collider, to unofficially to open the gate portals. To, yeah, portals. Um, I don't know why they. They play uh, good. It's very dangerous because, like the series Stranger Things, they can open a portal and something bad can get out these portals. So during this um, event, some people, citizen in uh, Switzerland, declare there is a light striking um, right. uh, purple in the sky, and every city was shut down. And there is something very strange, uh, the reality uh, change and uh, everywhere. It's not normal what's happening in the world. 
right now and during three years, you know. So I think the CERN opened another reality like... Uh, um, you might be right. Yeah. What can you tell us about the French space program, Jean-Charles? I will be a uh, um, flight instructor in the Commando Parachutist, okay? Okay. And during my service, uh, I have a, a big accident uh, over my shoulder was... Uh, you tore your shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I was a uh, uh, hospitalization in a French uh, military uh, hospital. Possible, sure. And when I was in this hospital, something very strange happening again. What happened? I met uh, a guys, uh, and uh, the the doctor tell, "Don't talk with these guys." Okay, I talk with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Did he tell you why you shouldn't talk to them? Because uh, they're the. Um, Depart- psychiatric department. Ah, okay. Psychiatric. I say okay, but when I take a walk and uh, I meet the guy, he tell me a story very, very, very uh, creepy. He tell me each night they um, they saw a military uh, take um, to the stretcher and uh, go down to um, to the basement of the hospital. They follow us and uh, they discover the the elevator open and there was. A beings, a reptilian beings waiting the guys. Like so, they were expecting them? He tell me that and I say, oh, it's not a crazy story. It's, 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 uh, yes. And you witnessed this? I'm not witnesses of the reptiloid. But the next day, I asked the doctor, where is these guys? Because they, they disappear. The guys, the military guys disappear. And he tell me, it's not your business. Go to your room. Oh wow! And you, I say, you stumbled into something. Yeah. <laughs> and in this night, I decide to go down, and I am in the face of a guard, and he tell me, "Why are you here? Oh, it's it's a wrong. Uh, <laughs> sorry, yeah, it's a it's a mistake. Was it an alien space force? No, the the guard, the guard was just a guard in the hospital. But after that, I decide to go down again, and I say the same scene, but. It was the tall gray reception, Jeez. the stretcher into the elevator. You know, it's it's a, it's a weird situation. They, these are all strange. You're seeing all these different beings and people like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Did you ever ask yourself, Jean Charles, why you? Why me? Mm-hmm. Because I have a special brainwave uh, in my head. And uh, I found the this proof with the... Uh, investigation about about myself with a scientist. Uh, her name is Dan Winter. Dan Winter is a big scientist. He searched... So uh, physicist, right? Physicist, yes, yes exactly. And uh, he spent uh, 51 uh, years to students the the brain of the special person with abilities like a, a child... Uh, can um, read a book without her eyes, uh, like in the superhuman show with uh, Caroline Curry, you know? Yeah. And uh, the same uh, the same I, device I used for me to analyze what's happening when I'm trying to teleport myself. And Dan put me this device in my head and I'm trying to teleport. And it's not working. But... The computer recalled everything happening in my brainwave 
And when they analyze the folder with my brainwave, it tell he never seen that before. Every brainwave, gamma brainwave, my gamma brainwave was out of the charts. They must reduce the graphic because yeah. it was off the charts. Off the chart, exactly. This is maybe the reason why I was recruited for the secret space program because I have these um, abilities. Did you ever expect the secret program to exist before you knew about it? I think this program exists since a lot of decades before. There isn't one secret space program. There is a lot of programs. Many of them. Yes. Many. A lot of countries work in the secret. And the government don't know this. It's not the government. It's a lot of things parallel to the government. Well, you mentioned physicist Dan Winter. Yes. And biologist Pat Bote. Yes. Explaining the science between behind your extraordinary brain activity. Let's look. Yes. We knew intuitively that the physics had to be similar to what we've been working on, which is that when the harmonics in the aura are implosive or compressive, so the aura becomes very dense at the center. And what's enabled them is the less coherent transverse electromagnetic due to the squeezing implosive process through the Planck threshold. What emerges is what's called longitudinal EMF coherence, sometimes called scalar torsional vril, ba from the, ba from the ka or the Kesjan body, many names for that. But it's actually a coherent longitudinal field array, which is embeddable. So the physics had to be that Jean-Charles psychometric, his brainwave and his breath, had to enter a certain harmonic series to in fact become centripetal and implosive. Of course, Patrick and I have spent our lifetime <laughs> documenting what that is. And uh, and so we introduced uh, Jean-Charles to Patrick and Patrick spent amazing time working on this together. So we will arrive at the first part here. You see the, the brainwaves are very, I have to to, to decrease a lot the, the size of the brainwave because when when you get these states, it, it was awful. It was going out of the screen. So that's the reason why now, for the moment, you don't see anything on the screen. And then we arrive at the... Yeah, then it's off, to, off the charts. Off yeah, there. And, and as Dana mentioned, a marvelous alpha peak, but very, very big alpha peak, and on the left brain. He stopped for a while and start again after a while. This is a second, the second try, which is coming now. Yeah, it's a huge, huge flash. Again, the same thing, but very, very big brain wave. And, uh, it, it, it's, it's almost the same thing that uh, we have with, with kids with, which can see without their eyes. So the spine liquid pump triggers that moment when the ventricles actually drain and there's that, you know, the ventricle horde mechanism of Kundalini. And that's on the left there at around two cycles per minute. And then for the right, around six cycles per minute, which is about 0.1 hertz, there's the major white peak, which is brain brain infrasound, uh, yeah. but not the red peak. But in some cases, we see both. But the point is the drama of this new release of Flame in Mind, the brain infrasound right along with the the heart infrasound and shows the heart brain connection directly. It's amazing. Congratulations, Patrick. Truly remarkable, Jean Charles. I'm I'm so grateful because, you know, sometimes people say, okay, if you have a extraordinary uh, life, you must have extraordinary proof. Correct. And 
I understand why these people say that. And I have all this, you know, I have witnesses, I have scientific proof, I have photography for that. I have uh, uh, my parents can testimony and uh, it's all in the package. And I'm very, very, very grateful to have this evidence with me. What conclusions have been drawn from your tests about you? The conclusion is um, I'm special, like everyone. You always were. Yeah, but there is the... It's not, I don't say I'm special, me. This is a scientist say that, okay? They pass his life to test the brain of a monk in Tibetan. And he tell me the Tibetan wave. I have the same Tibetan wave, but very huge. And it's scientist proof. And uh, I, I don't know what I say about that. It's, uh, it's evidence. Uh, How easy is it for you, Jean-Charles, to teleport? It's not easy because now I can't do the same thing, but something happened. When I want to go in the place, I dream, you know, and people remember me at this place, but we never talk about this the next day. It's like you went, but you don't remember. Me, I remember. You do remember. Yeah, I remember. When I was young, I was drawing a, 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 a secret tunnel under the Sphinx and uh, under the the pyramid of Cheops. Uh, uh, and uh, and there is one month they discover now the secret tunnel under the Sphinx. That's right. Which you knew about a long time ago. It was uh, 45 years before. Wow. And I have the... the I have the proof because I have a diary at, when I was young and I write everything. I I was in the center of the earth and I describe a dinosaur and a, a fruit a very huge. And uh, many, many, many years later, I discovered the, the admiral um, bird with the description in in the book of uh, uh, travel into in her earth. And he described the same thing, but yeah. I was a uh, 10 when I describe the same thing, it's not in my imagination, it's real. Exactly. As you look back, since you were four, yeah. what can you say about what has happened to you? Are you glad? Yes, I'm glad. No um, regrets? No regrets, no. no. What, are, what have you learned? It's a difficult uh, question. What I learned, everything, everything, uh, the love is uh, the key uh, of the universe and uh, the exchange with uh, different beings in my life. And uh, I'm glad for this experience. I'm very, very grateful for that. And I don't regret it. Never. Excellent. Your experience with the Greys. Yes. And the uh, other ETs. Yes. Do they come around at this point today? Um, it's a long story to explain, but I met the greys uh, in my life uh, in a real 3D, you know. Uh, it's very important to clarify because some people have experience in the astral travel, but not me. 
like a men in black. I met the men in black in the front of me, real, in this real life, with my parents too. There is a lot of things to explain and uh, we don't have enough time to explain all my life because I have many, many, many things. These things just keep happening to you, don't they? Yes, yes. Have you ever been threatened? Yes. Why? When I was uh, 20 years, I was... um, in my job, and the, the men in black came into my my job and uh, um, asked me to work for them, and uh, I say no, because they they know my abilities. Were they human? Yes, humans. Right. Black suit, uh, uh, black ties, and black glasses. You know, it's like a men in black the movie, but it's real, and I have the, yeah. a, a witness at this moment work with me. Do you know how dangerous things could have been for you when you turned them down? They could have killed you. Yes, but uh, I guess they don't want to kill me because they want to use maybe uh, something uh, inside of me. And uh, But I trust uh, to the universe. So. How many people are like you, Jean-Charles, on this planet, human beings who have been contacted and have these abilities since they were children? How many? I don't know. I never met before something with a story like mine, with a witness, with a scientific proof, with a real confrontation, with... Um, Whose parents verify what happened e- to exactly, you? Exactly. With a directed energy weapon against me, with... Uh, uh, maybe he exists some, someone with a story, but at 54 years old now, I don't met a, a same person uh, with the same story. Have they taken you to another planetary system? Me? Uh, off, yeah, off planet? Yes. When I was young. Um, you still remember it? Yes. It's another part. When I was young and uh, I sleep in my bed, when I wake up, I tell to my parents, oh, I was in the Bahamas. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I have between my toes and between a, a bottom of my bed, a white sand, and I was tan in my in my face. Wow. So, and I live in the ninth floor in, in the middle of Paris, you know. The next time, my dad realized I can move. Call this, I move in my, in my dream. Huh? And he tell me, why you do too far? And I say, what do you mean? And he tell me, in another planet. And I decide to be a state like, okay, I want to get out very, 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 very far in the universe. And I wake up. And you were. And I was in my pajamas. How old are you? Uh, I was um, 10. Okay. Okay. And I was uh, in another planet and the, the call name uh, Antares. And uh, I was uh, in the front of different beings, uh, cat people, felling beings. And uh, it, it was it was insane. And there is a crystal uh, into a river. Uh, the river was blood. And uh, I remember that. And Literally I blood. Literally blood. Yes. And I wake up and I say, oh, my God. Maybe the next time I can bring something. Yeah, I'm, I'm a kid, you know, everything is possible when, when you are a kid. Did you so, take anything? And decide to take a bag, a backpack with me and sleep with my backpack. I'm a kid, you know. Like I say, everything is possible. So I sleep. 
and I wake up in the same planet with my bag on my shoulder, in my, with my pyjamas, and I say, oh, it's curious. How can I say I'm dreaming when I'm dreaming? And I take the bottle, I, I put a bottle, an empty bottle in plastic, and I decide to fill the bottle with the crystal inside and close the bottle and continue my journey in, uh, in, in this planet. I wake up, and when I wake up, I search my bag and no bag. And I say, okay, it was a lucid dream. They took it. But my bag is on the bottom of my bed. I take my bag, my bag and I check my bag and flock, flock. I open my bag and inside there was the bottle with the red water mm-hmm. with the crystal inside. inside. I go to the kitchen and I say to my parents, Tonight, I was at the same place and my parents say, okay, do you bring something? And I say, yes. And I put the bottle on the table and my father and my dad, my my mother and my dad was in shock. Oh my God. It was another proof. All proof I bring, everything disappear in a few days after. And uh, But my dad was very bright. He take a photo of each Times I bring something very strange. And in my movie about my life. What's the name of your movie? Revelation Star Seed 2. And how do people see this? Yes, in the, in the Vimeo. 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 Dot com, Vimeo. Yeah. You, you, can, you can find me to the GC dot, dot com. M-O-Y-E-N. Yes. Okay. M-O-Y-E-N. And this movie is everything we spoke together with all proof inside with a witness, with a scientific proof, with the photograph and everything. Everything is inside. And my dad keeps this photo during many decades. And when I start my movie, he tell me, okay, son, this is our gift. Your mother and me decide to spoke into your documentary. And I say, oh my God, are you sure? No blur face, no blur face. I'm proud of you. John Charles, thank you for being on Beyond Belief. Truly a remarkable individual. From age four to where he is today, he has had these extraordinary contacts with those from other planetary systems. Remarkable. Thanks for watching Beyond Belief. That was remarkable. There's many people that are having the same things happening to them. It's it's happening. It is. <laughs> okay, now this one is called Encounters with Norse Land Spirits. Oh, okay. And this is with Regina Meredith as the host and Kendrick Olson as the guest. Is it possible that we have access to Will with a capital W, known as Orlog, capital O-R-L-O-G, awaiting our inquiry to discover our natural talent and answer why we are here. 
Norse mystic and paranormal trainer Kadrick Olson returns to open minds to share with Regina Meredith his perspective on Norse beliefs and his recent experiences at a Viking village in Norway. When Olsen attended the conference, Awakening the Viking, he interacted with dwarves in stone white caves, witnessed giant faces frozen in the mountains, towering above fjords, as well as encountered Lokai, the shadow worker of gods. Mm, Thor's brother. Thor's brother. Mm-hmm. Who brings toxicity, delight for healing. Olsen has worked with runes since childhood and shares his understanding, overstanding, understanding that the staves are, and then it goes to dot, 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 and we've got to listen to find out the next piece of the story. Mm-hmm. And this is 46 minutes, everybody. So we'll get started now. true beauty of these times is we're being reintroduced to the old, more connected ways of being with the elemental kingdom, gods and guides. Most cultures around the world have a tradition of interacting with elementals amongst them, but Christianity drove this underground. Kedrick Olson is back with us today to talk about the Norse pantheon of spirits that are here with us now in these times and in the past. Good to see you again, Kedrick. Hey, hey, it's great to be here again. Thank you. <laughs> well, I would like to start kind of a little bit where we did before because you were raised in a haunted house and you were raised with a mother that encouraged you to go into training to develop your skills in the world of esotericism and paranormal goings on around you. So that tell us a little bit about that and, and how that bridges over to talking about Norse gods and guides and elementals. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely born into a haunted house. I like to say I was literally born into a paranormal life because my doc, my mom's doctor when she was pregnant with me was Dr. Robert Bradley, who invented the Bradley method, who was the subject of the movie, part of the subject of the movie, The Changeling. So I literally grew up with this. I grew up going to a spiritualist church. I knew how to communicate with spirits as a child. It was a normal part of life for me. Watching TV channels change while you're watching it. Radios turn on, hearing footsteps in the hallway. And yet it was a little spooky because, you know, there were horror movies out there. And I watched horror movies. I always always loved horror movies. But it was a little spooky. However, my experiences never matched what was going on in the horror movies. So it was confusing a little bit. But with all of that aside, my mom still got me into psychic training. She took me to the classes and the seances at the spiritualist church. And so I got to see that this paranormal side is not so unusual. It's pretty normal. To I got to understand that the supernatural is completely a natural part of our world. So it was normal, natural for me to be around this stuff. It was a little odd to me that the other kids in school and other parents were a little freaked out by it and bothered by it because it was so unusual to them when I'm like, don't you see it's a natural part of our world? Right, right. 
And so I needed to understand better what was going on all around me. And my parents had a literal library of books available. Lucky you. I mean, I'm so envious of your upbringing. Yeah, it was great. You know, I read Secret Teachings of All Ages as a young age. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was beautiful. And I remember reading about the Brotherhood of Odin in there. At the same time, you know, I was looking at tarot cards and different things. I got my first set of runes and I'm like, what is this? I dove into the runes and studied those, and I was like, okay, where does this culture come from? What is this all about? And I started reading the poetry. I started reading the sagas. I read every book I could get a hold of. I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. And what really struck me over the years of working with the Norse and the Norse mysticism is that they, too, shared the view that the supernatural, the paranormal, was a natural part of our world. They lived alongside land spirits. Mm-hmm. They lived alongside house spirits and other sorts of human spirits and, na- and all sorts of entities. And it was a natural, normal part of their world. It wasn't separate. It wasn't individual. It was nothing that they were afraid of. It was like, oh, hey, there's my neighbors. Here. Yeah, yeah. Let's share with them. Hey, yeah. Let's invite them here. You know, Yule came around and they would sh- open their house to spirits of all kinds at Yule time. It wasn't just for fa- friends and family to come over. It was for the Yeah, for spirits. all the elementals, for the elves and dwarves and whoever else was coming by for a little nip of grog. Exactly. <laughs> and so that kind of shaped my worldview is the Norse perspective yeah. of it and my own perspective and seeing how they intermeshed real well. And I'm like, yeah. This completely makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go back a little bit. You mm-hmm. were talking about when you were a little kid, you were watching these kind of supernatural films and, you know, horror films and mm-hmm. so forth, and it wasn't matching up with your reality. So for people who watch these things and are thinking, oh, what wasn't lining up? What's what's What was so off for you in those? When you see a horror movie or any supernatural movie, let's say it's not a horror movie. It's just a, a, a benevolent supernatural not movie. Not caring. Yeah. <laughs> You're expecting like thumping on the walls. You're expecting a voice saying, get out. You're expecting something to fly across the room or something very overt, very obvious. That's not quite how it is. Sure, there'll be some tapping. Sure, there'll be some movement. Like if you have house spirits, they will hide little shiny things on you. You look for your keys like, where are they? It's the house spirits messing with you. It's kind of fun. But paranormal experiences are very, very subtle. It's more like you want to connect with a guide. You want to talk to a teacher. And a lot of people expect it to be a great gestalt like us sitting here talking back and forth. And when you reach out to a guide and say, hey, can you give me some clarity? Can you give me some direction where I need to go? And you feel like you're getting dead silence. But yet there's this urge inside. It's like, huh, I'm curious. What is this thing I was thinking about the other day? Let's go explore numerology, for example. I don't know why. Where is this interest in numerology? And then you dig into it and you go, oh, that was the answer I was looking for the other day. So it's not over and direct. It's just these it might subtle, be giving you a whisper towards something. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I call my guys the whisperers. Yeah, I do too. They're always whispering, inviting us forward. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's where you look for the silence within. You mm-hmm. try to cultivate that silence within because that's where you hear that subtle whispers. And fascinatingly enough, in Norse lore, there's a poem called the Havamal, the teachings of Odin, the sayings of the High One. And he says, literally in there, I believe it stands at 80, that when you come to the Ginrig and the High Holy Gods to ask of the runes, the universal mysteries, it's best for one to be silent. Because that's how you can hear the whispers of the runes. Yeah, and the very wise. Beings. And the thing is, this really feeds into the notion of desire. 
And we have a subtle desire body. It's here to propel us forward, to help us engage in whatever it is we need to engage in. And to me, that's what that's all about, is to help create a curiosity or desire to move into something we need to engage with. And you can't, you can't discover that voice if you're not silent. I mean, you can. I've interviewed a lot of people that have been hit by cars, struck by lightning, died in all kinds of ways, um, only to find on the other side, yeah, you need to be quiet and pay attention next time so we don't have to do this to you. <laughs> so we can short circuit all that by actually paying attention for that whisper. And like you said, you said, hmm, neurology, I need to know more. And that that's how, that's how my guides and my soul works with me. I just get curious and I've got to pull that thread. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. like nudges, it's urges, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of inspiration. It's never like this great overt answer. It's just a subtle little touch. Yes. And you know, it's interesting that the beings that are my, I'm a soul group part of, um, when they talk to other people and people say, I just I don't know my life's purpose and blah, 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 blah. I just don't know what I'm doing here. What am I supposed to be doing? Which I find an interesting question anyway. Mm-hmm. They always say, what would you like to do? They always yes. ask, what would you like to do? And it puts it back on the person. And it's not long before they start getting thumped with a message about, hmm, I wonder about, you know, I always wanted to be a DJ. I did that in college. And boom, they start a new career or whatever, you know? There's a Norse concept called Urlog. Some people pronounce it Urlog. Urlog. It's basically the primal law. But it's the reason why you're here. Uh, it's your will with a capital yes, W. Yes. It's the purpose for being here. And when people ask me what that is, of course, I'm not going to give them an answer because I tell if I give you, you tell can't. people I give you an answer, I'm wrong. Right. But if I give you the means to ask better questions, that's the path to go. So that's I tell them exactly to ask right. three questions. What do you love doing? What can you do all exactly. day long and just get supercharged about it? What do you have a natural talent for? Just like what do you skill that naturally? And third, what does the world need? Because your view Those of the world. Those are the three best questions. Best. You yep. are absolutely right on. What makes time stand still? Yep. For you. And that's how you discover what your world. What are you good at? What do you have natural talent in? What does the world need right now? So there you go. For everybody watching this, I think we need to ask if you don't know the answer to what you're here for, ask yourself those three questions. So meanwhile, we're going to move on to a recent trip when you went to Norway very recently. Yeah. You had some experiences here. I've written them down. So let's talk about some dwarves that you encountered. Absolutely. In the White Cave. Yep. I How I got to be there was I was invited to be a teacher, a, an expert, as part of a group called Awaken the Viking, where it was at about 20 people gathered in Budvangen, Norway, where there's a Viking village. There is the Fjortel Hotel. It's very rural it's situated between two walls of mountains and a fjord it's like very epic it's beautiful and as part of this group we went to the white caves and it's beautiful caves inside just you know white stone everywhere i can't remember the name of the stone that is but we were invited to go there and just meditate and we found a place to sit down to lay down there's water dripping everywhere otherwise it's completely silent candlelight everywhere so it's just beautiful there mm. and so i laid down and i tried to close my eyes but i couldn't i tried to meditate and i couldn't and i'm like what's going on here why can't i close my eyes and so i reached out to see if i could feel energies or entities because this place is full of all sorts of beings and so i reached out i'm like who's here what are we doing and suddenly I'm remembering another line out of the Havamal, 
when Odin discovers the runes and he gave some to the gods, he gave some to the giants, some to the elves, some he gave to the dwarves. And I went, okay, guys, if you're here and you're connecting with me, give me your concept of what your understanding of runes are. What are dwarf runes like? And so they told me about like rubble piles or when stones move. And one of the- one You mean of my, as in like tea leaves, how they land? Yeah, like when stones yeah. move and how they work with that. Yeah. And remember, runes are like universal mysteries, not mm-hmm. necessarily divination tools. Mm-hmm. And so when I put my hand on a little pebble, and I'm like, great, what is a pebble to you in runic terms? And they said, that's old age. And I'm like, what do you mean old age? And then they showed me like when it starts with a big boulder, and then it wears down over the centuries, and it becomes these little tiny pebbles. And I went, oh, I get it. And so they were showing me runes and universal concepts, universal mysteries, from the point of view of centuries of stones' lives, how stones move, how they connect, how they rub against each other when air passes through and water passes through and what that's all like. And I'm like, how very interesting. That's fascinating. So not the runes we know that you read, which are the ones that have little symbols written on them and you put your hand in a bag and you draw one and it has its own meaning. This is the movement and the placement and the size an interaction of stone with its surrounding environment. Right. Fascinating. And here's a great opportunity for us to explore a different take on runes. Yeah. Most of us are used to seeing runes exactly mm-hmm. as you say, mm-hmm. like a little letter, or a little character on a piece mm-hmm. of stone or wood. That is a stave. That's just a visual mnemonic. The actual rune is the universal forces, the universal energies that run through everything. Yeah. Such as Fehu is about value. Urus is about strength. Thurzaz is about aggression. Anzus is about awareness and wisdom. Those are universal forces that you don't need the staves. You don't need the names or the words that we can understand as energies that run through everything. They're involved everywhere. Like the Urus of this table, its ability to be stable and strong. My Urus, my strengths, both physical and emotional mental strengths. That's Urus. And so when the dwarves were telling me about the runes, they were understanding these little forces from their points of view. Interesting. But do you still do the runes in terms of divination when you're working with clients and people? Sometimes, absolutely. Yeah, just to see what the force is that wants to come through. Exactly. Yeah. Because it gives little insights to what's going on, mm-hmm. plus it taps into the the weird, the earth, mm-hmm. or log and the earth. So it helps me kind of understand those causal forces. Yes. Okay, now we had another we had two more experiences. I love these. These are all juicy. Love paranormal. It's not even paranormal. Love normal. Supernatural that's natural. Okay, so we have an instance of a giant that was sleeping in the mountain. Right. There are many, many, many tales, folklore and in the Eddas, that trolls and giants, they roam the night. They're all out at night or they're in the caves. They're deep in the underground. And if they're ever exposed to sunlight, they turn to stone. Oh, interesting. And there are... Standing stones, there are monuments all over the place where people say, yes, this is where the giants turned into stone. And of course, as an American who had not been in Scandinavia at all, I'm reading these stories. And I have to tell you, even though I grew up as a paranormal life, I grew up surrounded by all this stuff, I'm always a skeptic. Somebody tells me something's in the house flickering the lights. I say, okay, great. Let's go check the electrician. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're hearing something in the plumbing in the walls. Great. Let's go check a plumber first. Yeah. Same way here. I'm like, okay, these are yeah, you great are. You're stories. very analytical. Yes. Yep. These are great stories. They're trying to explain their natural world. They're trying to have a good understanding of their natural world. No. When I got to Norway and I saw these things, these are very real. These are not you mythological not metaphor. <laughs> right. These are very real things. 
And so when I'm at the hotel, I'm looking across the fjord and I see a giant's face on the side of a mountain in stone. Looks like he's sleeping with a happy look on his face. And I went, oh, I get it. These stories are real. Mm-hmm. It's very real. And was there lore that supported that? Yes. From what I understand, that is a giant that is a protector of that region and helps protect the people, helps protect everything. Because remember, these are like two giant walls of mountain with a fjord. So there are rock slides constantly. And yes. So, this is so they're place. warning. And they it sounds like they connect with another species that you encountered that helped warn of a rock slide. That's right. One of the nights I was going back to my room. Mm-hmm. And I was really tired because it's a lot of stuff we were doing there as part of this event, a lot of stuff. But I was tired. And, of course, rock slides are happening all over the place. But I'm seeing these two ravens. And two ravens are going to stick out to me because Odin has two ravens, Hugin and Munin, thought and memory. And so I see these two ravens on a tree, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And all of a sudden, they start screaming, start yelling. They get up, and they start flying, and they're yelling and screaming. And I'm like, what are you all about? Only to suddenly see a rock slide coming down. And I'm like, oh, you're just giving the heads up. It's like mm-hmm. they knew mm-hmm. beforehand that the mm-hmm. rock slide was going to happen. And they were giving us a warning like, hey, heads up, be aware. Rocks are coming down. And I'm like, okay, great. Now I get it. Also, the lore is to listen to the birds, yes. listen to the, the chatter and the speaking of the language of the birds because they will foretell events coming. And I'm like, see, this stuff isn't just metaphor. This is actual reality yeah. that we like to just blow off as mysticism or mythology. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's very real. that is so cool. You also were hearing the local gods speaking. Uh, okay, what's that all about? First of all, how do you know they're gods? How did you hear them speak? What did they have to say? Were they talking to you or to each other? Were you eavesdropping? Tell us about it. That was one of the most heart-opening experiences I had there. As part of the Viking village, there is a sacred area where they have god poles. They have poles in the ground with the faces of the gods on it. There's an altar space there. And we did do an old Norse ritual called a bloat, where we raise a horn to the gods and we sprinkle mead on the god poles. And we basically leave an offering to the gods. And that went as normal as expected. A little while later, when everything quieted down, everything was quiet and calm, I went back to the poles. I just had a little connection. I just kind of reached out, just said, hey, thank you. This is great. And then I heard them. I heard them speaking. And this time it was a lot like the gestalt, like we look for, like we're hoping the guides to have that good like language mm-hmm. communication. Mm-hmm. And it was actual talking. It was like I was speaking with Odin at first, Odin, Odin mm-hmm. at first. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can hear them talk. I'm hearing them speak. And we're having this conversation back and forth where it was. It felt like a lot of gratitude for the, the teachings I'm bringing forward about runes mm-hmm. and the work that I'm doing about continuing bringing this message forward. And the other gods would speak up. And this is where I got a different point of view of Loki, because there was a pole there for Loki. And yeah, in, Loki's often thought of somewhat negatively. Exactly. So let's talk about Loki for a moment and what you discovered there. And Loki was there talking a little bit, too. And, of course, you're right. Loki is depicted as sort of like the Norse devil, which yeah. is really not. Yeah. Is the trickster spirit sort of really not. But Because everything that Loki does in the lore, everything comes out beneficial for everybody at the end. And so when I'm talking with Odin, I'm talking with Loki, I realized Loki is the Lord of the Shadows. Loki is the shadow worker of the gods. Any of that crud and crap that needs to be brought up to the service, any of that crud and crap that needs to be dealt with, any of those old wounds that are being projected out with toxicity, Loki's the one that brings that to light. 
It brings that to the surface. So of course, people don't want to see that. They don't want to see the negatives about themselves or the, the pain deep within. But Loki stirs that up so you see it, so you can heal it. I went, thank you, Loki. I have a much deeper respect. You know, that makes total sense because, first of all, we're not going to walk into a dark room intentionally. That's not what humans do. Generally speaking, when they do that in the films, it's, all right, I'm out of here. Who would create a scene like that? No one walks into a dark room in a haunted house. But the fact is we don't voluntarily walk into challenge and darkness. So wouldn't we need essentially a trickster? To somehow give us, you know, again, whether it's a little desire, a little nudge or, you know, an overactive curiosity into something so that it helps us again engage with the things we must engage with but are trying to avoid. So are you saying that's essentially what Loki does? That's exactly what he does. He provokes us and he pokes us and prods us until we wake up. You could say the devil, the whole concept of every entity that is termed as Satan or the devil is essentially doing the same thing. Tempting us, quote, Mm -hmm. uh, come hither into exploring what we have refused to explore, perhaps, or what we need to explore for our own expansion, growth, learning. Exactly. And it was from this experience, not only did I learn Loki better, but I got to hear the voices of the gods again in a much stronger and a much better way. And I can proudly say that even coming back to the States and still doing this work, I can still hear them. We still talk. I've got images. I've got statues of the gods on my altar spaces. And there are times where I just close everything down, clear my mind, and they're there. They're talking. And when I sit with clients, they're there talking. Isn't it so neat you had to go there, though, to bring really bring in your connection with them? Yeah. That it had to be on that land to strengthen that so you could bring it back with you for the rest of this life. I mean, you must have thought, I've done this before. Yeah. You obviously have been on that land from that, like Kedra Colson, okay, from <laughs> that land, and you were just reconnecting with these beings. Did you have any sense of why it was now and not before? Was there something in you that just now was just now ready to take on these particular guides slash gods? There's something I'm starting to understand from my whispers that I'm calling the starseed boat. Higher level beings are coming to this planet without a sense of linear time. Linear time is a construct of our brain. Right. Linear time doesn't exist. But let's say there's sixth density, seventh density, whatever kind of density beings, they cannot resonate with our third dimension, third density existence here. But right now in this time point of humanity, we're crossing that threshold mm-hmm. where we're leaving war behind, we're leaving this destructive era behind. We're evolving to a more of a 5D state of being out of this 3D. And so that's why we're seeing star seeds awakening right now. But in order to downres from their seventh density state, they had to come back in past, humanity's past, where times were brutal. I mean, people like to say the Vikings were awful, terrible people. Well, sure, but so was everybody else in the world. Hollywood makes them look quite sexy, though. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But everybody was, too. So the starseed wound is these seventh density beings come into a time that was very brutal, very awful, to be brutal and awful to get that trauma as the perpetuator of some of the stuff or to have it happen to them so that they can down res from seventh density to third density so that here in our time period, we learn how to heal that star seed wound for all of humanity because we're all part of the collective unconscious. So we learn how to heal those wounds from the medieval period and through the pre-medieval period so that today in the 3D, when we're moving 3D to 5D, we can show humanity how to do that, how we can do that healing process because we're healing ourselves and we get great. This is how you move through that. 
So let me ask you another question here. Uh, well, not like I wasn't going to, but as something I'm going tangential a bit. Do these gods ever speak of entities that have been here to mess with us, to restrict us to an extent that most of this community has heard about many times and other channel beings are now openly talking about them. Yeah, you've had some restrictions, you know, and it's time for you to blast your light through all of that. And one of them said recently that you're, you are coming to the end of war. However, those very same forces that have kind of kept people um, narcotized and even more so now through media and such, are seeing to it that we're being blasted with every type of image of even the Vikings. I mean, it's on what Netflix or Mm -hmm. Prime Video or something with the the bloody past. There's always a heroic figure, but the brutality of being human, which these other beings said isn't even our nature. So do do these beings talk about other forces that they're working with alongside us? Yes. They're a form of giant called the Thursar. Thors is a singular, Thors are, is plural. They have names like Hati, mm-hmm. which is the hater. It's all about hatred. It's all about destruction. And in a sense, these are what the Gnostics would call archons. Mm-hmm. They're the same kind yeah. of entities. And the way that they work is they get people to fight over really silly, nonsensical things. Like words they call each other. Yeah. And so maybe these people are conflict, they're fighting each other, they're warring against each other, and then we'll bring in other people from other countries as peacekeepers or whatnot to quell that violence. Well, that Thurs is going, cool, let's bring more violence, let's feed me. And so they're just creating this cycle of violence over and over. And here's an interesting thing to note. These beings are called Thurs, T-H-U-R-S. And who is the main combatant against the Thurs? Thor. Thor, yeah. They're the same words. And if yeah. we go to runically, the TH is that aggressive, that Thorsas is an aggressive character. Raido is like that manifestation, that movement of it. But the Urus for Thors is the U sound, making them primal, making them very banal, making them very destructive. But Thor has Os, which is a rune of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So Thor is the homogenous, violent, aggressive energy, but tempered with wisdom and the higher state of being to destroy the Thursar. However, in the Ragnarok, Ragnarok yes. is a, basically telling of the dark night of the soul of the individual and the dark night soul of humanity in general, not the end of the world. And in this tale, we find the old gods, the old war gods, Odin, Thor, Tyr, all of the old war gods are killed. Mm. Their war it yes, comes to an it's end. over. The chaotic forces are destroyed at the same time. Which is our future. Right. Which is humanity's future. And Baldur, the most beloved of all the gods, was killed by Loki through the work of Loki, kept in hell, which the Old Norse concept of hell is not evil or, or it's just a safe place to be. And, and when Ragnarok is over, Baldur comes from hell and takes over in the, as the high god. He's the most beloved, caring, pacifistic kind of deity. So it's showing that we're moving from a warlike state, shifting to a higher state of being where we move Beyond the war, beyond the chaos, beyond the destruction. It's even in Norse lore that we move into that higher state of being. I love it. Okay, now let's talk about something else since we're talking about beings. Um, a lot of people watching this think, yeah, but they've watched a lot of shows on ufology. And they're like, what about the Nordic beings? The ones who are the tall blondes that are considered to have Nordic features who come to Earth, who are part of us, who Perhaps we're part of them genetically engineered in certain parts of the world to have those features as well. Do ETs, so to speak, um, factor into this, to the, the lore and tradition? It's very likely. 
Now, I know when we look at uh, uh, Valiant Thor, mm-hmm. interestingly, it has yes, that yes, same Valiant name. Thor. It comes the to story there. Stranger at the Pentagon. Exactly. Thank mm-hmm. you. And we look at some of the Pleiadians, and even Swaru says yes. one of the cultures, one of the planets in the Pleiades is the Old Norse people. So there's a big maybe there. And if we look to Old Norse lore, we find that the Icy or the high gods of the Norse are the same as the Asuras from the Hindu tradition, the gods that were kicked out and travel the world. Right. And some of the stories of Odin teaching all over the world match what some of the Asuras taught. So it's very interesting in that way. And if we look deeper into Norse folklore, we find multiple tales of somebody out at night finding what they would call a fairy mound raised up on three pillars. Now, it could be the hill raised up, but they're definitely on three pillars. There is a bright glowing light underneath there, and there's some some sort of a party with elves or other mm-hmm. otherworldly beings. Mm-hmm. And when they go into that mound, when they go into that light, to them, they're only there for the night. Interesting. But when they leave in the next morning, they go back to their village and people are freaked out. They're like, you've been gone for 20 years. Mm-hmm. You've been gone for 50 years. So there's a time distortion. So it sounds like that does overlay with interaction with others. Exactly. Yeah. So these may be tellings that that could be some form of yeah. UFO yeah. landing and otherworldly beings exactly. interacting with them. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So let's talk about, let, let's go to the household. Okay. In the old ways, the old Norse ways and how the human being every day was interacting with the different elementals and such and what the different elementals were charged with. Absolutely. The, these beings were a normal part of everyday life. When you had a household, you definitely kept a little altar with maybe some milk or some honey or some sort of sweets and shiny things for the household spirits. Because if you had respect for them, they shared that respect back to you. They would help you do the housework. They'd help keep the places nice. clean. And they would test you. Mm-hmm. They'd put little debris on your doorstep, little twigs or little things on the doorstep to see if you cleaned it away. Because they like a nice, clean, tidy home. They like you to be on task with everything. And if you ever fell off of not keeping up that altar, if you let things get dirty, they, they would really on. mess. Oh, yeah, they would mess with it so bad. And even if you did something outside, like maybe you had nature spirits living around outside. There was a boulder in a place that you didn't like a boulder. So you got up and you moved that boulder. Now things are going haywire in the house. So you got to do a little mea culpa. You got to put a little altar space outside. You got to find out what's going on. Consult with a local seer. Say, hey, why are they messing with me? What's happening here? Well, you had that experience when you were there too, right? At the Stave Church. Yeah. The Stave Church was very interesting because those were land spirits there. Yeah. Now, when we went to the Stave Church, the Stave Churches are all over Scandinavia. And what they are, they're churches built out of wood. From what I understand, there's no metal in their construction. It's just wood. They're very elaborate. They're very decorative. They're kind of neat to look at. What era were these? Over what period of time were these? Oh, I would say 1100s, 1100s, 1300s, you know, definitely as Christianity started coming in Mm -hmm. because Iceland was the last place to sort of officially convert. Mm -hmm. And that was in the year 1000. There was old Uppsala in Sweden, which tells us around 1300, they finally switched over. But Christianity kept coming in, and what they would do is there would be a place where there's a pagan holy site, mm-hmm. and 
you know, as we know, indigenous cultures all over the world know where ley lines are. Right. They know where sacred energy sites are. Old Norse were the same way. They used their own beings as the wise ones as a tuning fork. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they built their temples there. They put their mm-hmm. god poles there. They put their statues. They held their ceremonies there. And as the way of every culture on this planet, when it's a new culture coming in, they destroy the old culture, even demonize the old culture. And that's what happened. These state churches were built on the locations of old pagan holy sites. And so when I went to go visit this state church, I'm feeling out the land just to be open. I want to see what's going on. And I was really, really surprised to feel so much anger. There was anger all over the place, not in the churchyard, not where the graveyard was. Mind you, I did not go inside the church. I was a little too freaked out by the energy, but I stayed out there. And when I went outside the churchyard, I'm like picking up the anger going, all right, who's angry? What's going on? And I'm feeling nature spirits all over the place, the hoodoo folk, the hidden Mm -hmm. people. And I'm like, okay, guys, what's going on? And they're showing me like clairvoyant images that this church is like a thorn stuck in a channel of energy like there's energy that needs to be flowing through and this church was like a thorn and they're almost like pleading me begging me it's like great if you're aware of this can you you pull it out can you (laughs) get this out of there and i'm like no i can't do that i'm sorry and there's just so much anger that this is blocking that energy blocking that flow and i'm like okay what else is going on here so i reached out even more and i felt a pull over towards some trees like a little grove off in the distance away from the church and i'm like what's going on there I got as close as I could because there's a fence and I don't want to cross property lines of anybody's private property. But I stopped at the fence and I reached out and I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff going on. There's a bunch of energy. I'm like, there they are. Mm -hmm. And I reached out even more beyond the anger. There was deep sadness. And I'm like, because their land had been compromised. Yeah. And I'm like, where is the sadness coming from? Yeah. It was people. Yeah. It was people. And I'm like, why are you people here? What's going on? They're stuck. These are what Old Norse would call the optagonger, the the afterwalkers, the aftergoers. They're what we would call lost souls Mm -hmm. or people stuck in between worlds. And as I'm communicating with them as best as I can, they're conveying to me images and feelings of horror, of devastation, of trauma, of killings and terror going on. I'm like, holy crap. And I'm like, okay, land spirits, what's going on? I'm like, we're protecting these people because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. We're protecting, we're helping them. And can you get this thing out of here? These are souls that have been swept up in the brutality of those ages. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it was a weird experience. I wasn't sure what to expect when I went there, but Mm -hmm. it was certainly not that. And it was eye-opening and revelatory. I'm like, okay, there's some weird history here that's embedded in the energy of the land and then the memory of the spirits and the land spirits there. Well, that takes us to another area, and that is that the Old Norse also had a very sophisticated understanding of the underworld after death, right? I mean, is it like the Egyptian Book of the Dead or something along that line? Kind of. Okay. You see, Hel, her name Hel, Mm H-E-L, is a daughter of Loki. Mm -hmm. And the word Hel in Old Norse is not punishment is not torment Mm -hmm. it is the root word for like health wholeness well-being so when you wish when you wish 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 somebody like hail regina i'm wishing Mm -hmm. you health holiness Mm -hmm. and well-being go to hell (laughs) thank you i will (laughs) and so the goddess hell and her realm hell some people Mm -hmm. say hell haim Mm -hmm. is that realm of healing is the realm of health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And in the lore, it tells us that Odin gave hell charge of the nine worlds of the of the afterlife, not just the nine worlds of existence, that's other things, but she has nine realms of the other world. 
And what we look, if we look at the lore, no matter if you're a warrior thinking you're going to Valhall or if you're a, a beloved people or thinking thinking that you deserve an afterlife of Torment, because there's a place for that too, that you cross through Helheim. You go over the Galabru, the, the resounding bridge. You kind of judge yourself on what you're going through there. And a lot of what these tales are, if we really dig into it and we put our mystical mindset on, we realize that hell is about losing who you thought you were, sloughing off all of the crap that you think you need to hold on to, your burdens of your daily life, all of the trauma, all of the pain, all of the expectations of yourself, the shadow work stuff. Right. You let that stuff all go, and then you wake up in the afterlife where you always were. If you were that noble warrior, you were always in Valhall. If you were a beloved uh, family and you had a beloved family, you were in Fensalir. You know, if you are like a common warrior, daily warrior kind of thing, you're in Folkvanger. You're there all the time. It's just hell is about clearing away the thing that you're not. Well, that makes sense. And going back to the notion of Loki, the trickster, to invite us into something we need to engage but maybe have been avoiding. So then you, it seems to me that hell would be a version is if you refuse that journey and continue to stay stuck and not advance and grow beyond what you're being and what you're engaging with, what you're being invited to do. That sort of stuckness is a type of hell, so to speak. But yes. when you break through, it leads to good health on all levels, emotionally, mentally, physically. Which brings us to an interesting notion that is in the lore. There's something called a straw death. A person who lives to old age and they die of disease is called a straw death and they go to hell. Whereas the warriors go to Valhall, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the big difference is, is maybe somebody who died a straw death might be clinging on to life. They might be oh, full of point. regrets going, I don't want to go. I'm not ready to go. I can't be here. So mm-hmm. they're going to have a harder time making that transition, which is why I love death doulas and psychopaths because yes. they help people make that transition. Yes. But a warrior going into battle has already made peace with themselves, knowing this could be it. Very this could be my final call. I'm ready to go. Fascinating perspective on it. Okay, so now you're work. Are you working with kind of the layers of the beings? I have them written down here. I can't. I can't pronounce their names. Okay, but just quickly going through them. Are you working with these? And as you said, the other gods that you reconnected with when you're working with your um, clients in terms of shadow work. Are you working with them? Yes, somewhat. Okay, so let's let's talk about. Here we have. How do you say it? Droger? Droger. Droger, who, who is more malevolent and destructive. Where is he coming to play? Right. These are I all, say he, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, in the stories, are all men. Okay. As Droigers. They are basically the restless soul, the restless body. You can think of them almost like a, a lich or a zombie rising from the grave, causing calamity, destroying things, killing people. But it's also like a poltergeist. The noisy spirit that comes into your house, throw things around, or the upset, angry spirit that needs to be quelled and dealt with. And so the lore is often about, you know, the medieval remedies, you know, you chop off the head or you bring peace to the the, the body so that it stops, that kind of thing. But there's a lot of tales about the Droiger. But what's similar but different to the Droiger is something called a Haugbui. And a Haugbui is the same kind of thing, is a reanimated spirit. But they never leave the gravesite. These are like kings or nobles or very rich people, very well-respected people that were buried in a mound, a haug. And people will go to their burial site and they'll see this person in their mound feasting and drinking and having a good time. Or they sleep on the mound 
and they have a conversation with a person in the mound. See that it's sort of like a droiger, but never leaves the mm-hmm, mound. Mm-hmm. But you can go there and consult with them. You can talk with them and say, "Hey, what's an answer to this one?" There's a very popular story about a, a shepherd that wanted to be a poet, and he slept on the mound of a poet, and that poet taught him some secrets overnight, and he became a world famous poet. Similar to these old stories in Americana about going to the crossroads, but there's no repercussions, just a good life of yeah. getting work. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is called, you said hog earlier, hogbui? Hogbui. 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 And so tell us about, these are more beneficial. These are beings that you can, now do you work with them? Because you can consult with them? We can today, in in America especially, we would yeah. have to go to a grave site, okay. to a graveyard. And as you know, there are still spirits there. They're uh-huh. sometimes lingering there. And so you could sit down, and I will do this, sit down with a picnic basket and just kind of hang out, let yourself tune in, put up your protections, put up your barriers, and then just tune in and say, hey, who has something that has to talk about? What, what's going on here? And then you can have a conversation with the spirits in the graveyard. It's the same kind of thing about talking with a hog buoy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, what's going on? What can we learn? And you have another one here. It's called Optergonger or so, mm-hmm. but this one is very sounds to me very similar to the Draugr. Sort of, yeah. An Optergonger uh, basically means an afterwalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same root gonger as when we see uh, doppelganger, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. But these we can think of as lost souls. These may be people who died in a traumatic incident. Uh, if you go like to like the ones over at the Stave Church, yes, in the land near it. Yes, those yeah. would be optogongers. Yeah. Or if we hear, you know, like paranormal tales, like maybe there was a big shootout or a big killing in a certain area. Nine eleven. Nine eleven. Or even here uh, in Colorado. We have the Big Thompson Flood. Mm-hmm. And if you drive through that highway going through the Big Thompson mm-hmm. Canyon, there are lots of octagoners mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. going, hey, what am I doing? Why am I, where, what's what going happened? on? Why am I lost? So they're not malevolent. They're not benevolent. Just they're just lost and maybe need some guidance. Yeah. That's an octagon. Maybe need a little recognition. Yes. Then we have these others, the Upfakninga. Yep. Please say Oop. it for me. Upfakninga. Oh, I was almost there. Yes. Okay. And it literally means those who wake up. Oop. Wake up, waking, uh-huh. waking, and these are the ones that you call in a seance. These are the ones that you literally set the ritual, you set the setting, and you say, "Hey, ancestors, hey, teachers, hey, my best friend, hey, mom, dad, hey, grandma, come and hang out. Let's talk. Let's have dinner. Let's watch TV yeah. together." Those are the upvagninger because you woke them up. Yes, and called them in. And the desir, desir. Yeah, we have uh, desir is the feminine, and alpha are the masculine. And what we can think of the Desir as are ascended ancestors. They are the matrilineal uh, women, the, the matriarchs of the family. There we go. They're the matriarchs of the family, the great aunts, the grandmas, that not only did they die, but when they went to the other side, they were aware of their crossing over. They were aware of their spiritual work. They moved to an ascended state of being, and they hang out with the family to give guidance, to give some direction, give some clarity, give butt kickings, because they're not always, yeah, you know, yeah. puppy dogs and yeah. rainbows. You're like, what are you doing? Cut it out. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so now here you are. We have a few minutes left. And the work you do is a lot of shadow work. And it seems that most of it is with men. Oh, actually, most of it's, believe it or not, it's a good mix of all of them. It is now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It seems a few years ago, it kind of started out, you were kind of working with men's groups and such. So let's talk about the shadow work and the incorporation of the Norse kind of pantheon of beings that you're deeply connected with and how that feeds into your work and helps others. Absolutely. The reason why we're doing shadow work 
is because we do live in a paranormal, supernatural world. It is a part of that. But most of the people around here in our culture grew up going to churches or seeing the TV shows and the movies that give a scary, spooky, terrifying example of the paranormal. But they're getting some connection. They're getting this awareness. They're getting whispers. They're getting clairvoyant images. They're hearing things. Their keys are getting lost in the house. And now they're going- Earrings being stolen. Earrings being stolen. And uh, there's a part of them inside going, okay, this isn't something evil. This isn't bad. But yet they're still scared. They're still afraid of it. Mm. They're still afraid of reaching out because they're hearing those stories that, no, it's not grandma in your house. It's a demon trying to lure your soul into hell. Well, no, it really is grandma. Well, there are a lot of negative stories out there that would propel that kind of fear. So you're Mm -hmm. basically there to- To help set the story straight, to say, yes, that really is grandma. Here's how you connect it. And so we do our shadow work to go into those feelings, to go into those beliefs and let them have a say, to let them know that there's a purpose, that that shadow really was there to protect them, really was there to help them in some way. And so we reintegrate the lesson of that shadow, let go of the fear, let go of the negativity, reintegrate that energy so they can discover their skills, their talents, their gifts that they naturally had. Like when they were a child, and that wasn't an imaginary friend they were mm-hmm. talking to. It was one of their guides. But mom and dad in the church said, no, that's a demon tempting you. But yet that guide's still saying, hey, I've got something for you to do. You're going to love this. And they're like, oh, but, 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 but I was told that was. So we work through that shadow of that. And then they go, oh, that was my best friend. Yeah, that my best wonderful. friend. Why I kicked him I out. I was afraid of that. And they yeah. reconnect. And they're yeah. like, wow, life is so much better. I'm connecting now. I'm seeing. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And now my life has purpose. And what's amazing is some of these shadows hold people back. They lock them in. Yeah. They have jobs or relationships that are just toxic and destructive. They work through these shadows. They work through these beliefs. And then the job opportunity comes in and they love the job. Yeah. That person that was toxic in yeah. their life is like, okay, I've had enough of you. I'm out of here. Of course, they're sad. They're heartbroken. Yeah. But then I just met this other person. Everything, wow, yes, the whole window closes, the window opens. Right, and they're starting to be authentic. They're yeah. starting to live their orlog. Like they came here to live because they're clearing those shadows out. They're now able to listen to guidance and they're getting the the teachers and the Desir and the Alpha are in their life. And they're able to listen yeah. and hear them. And they get the guidance for themselves. They're like, wow, I can be a part of this. Really, the stuff is real and I can do this and it makes my life better. That's like, so cool. Yeah, it does. And you brought up kids a little moment ago when you were a little kid, right? Mm-hmm. And this is another thing to start seeing our children in a little different way and giving them much more latitude of exploration and when they tell us these magical things not to poo poo it but to take them seriously so that they can keep their own dreams alive we know what we love when we're little kids we know what we love to do and what makes time stand still but slowly but surely it's beaten out of us so we only have a minute one quick thing what is the most direct thing you would say a person can do to open themselves out quiet themselves and open themselves to hear the whisper to be aware of your thoughts, to be aware of your feelings, to be aware of know how your body feels, just to be aware of it. Just have that awareness of your thoughts. And the more thoughts you have racing, the better. And then you move to this neutral space where you're aware of your thoughts, you're aware of your feelings, you're aware of your emotions, but you're not a part of them. You're in this like silent space, separate from all those things, but you're aware. And that's where you suddenly pick up other little things going on. You're like, ooh, that's not coming from me. That's not part of the din of my thoughts or my emotions. This is something different. And the more you pay attention to those little subtle whispers, those little subtle nudges, the clearer they get. I'm not going to say louder, but the clearer they get mm-hmm. and the easier it is to tune into them and to tune out from the din of your regular noisy mind. Here, here. Thank you for that. 
Kedrick, the time has flown. It's always so, it's fun. It's always an adventure and fascinating. And uh, thanks for sharing all the experiences on your last trip. This is wonderful. And I know you'll be going again, right? Oh, absolutely. The Wake <laughs> and the Viking stuff is amazing. It's a beautiful place there. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kedrick. To find out more about Kedrick's work, you can watch my previous interviews with him here on Gaia or go to his website at kedrick.com, K-A-E-D-R-I-C-H. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Open Minds. Fabulous, everybody. Good stuff. Um, Reminds me of my time in Norway and Sweden and a little bit in Denmark. That Norse land. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to have a little treat tonight. used to do this a lot, but tonight we're going to do it. And we're going to go visit uh, the Tonight Show with... uh, Steve Colbert, and I think we'll get to do at least the first section, and it's worthy listen. So here we go. Um, let's see how to do this. Democratic representatives held a press conference yesterday to announce the formation of the first ever congressional hip hop task force. The plan is to harness the power of hip-hop to make transformative change in legislation. In response, the Republicans unveiled their own hip-hop task force. Yo, are you looking to get jiggy with the conservative party? Then check out the Republican Hip-Hop Task Force. Sipping on gin with my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Bum, 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 bum. Girl, you look good, won't you? When the pimp's in the charisma, drop it like it's hot. This task force is mad fresh, dog. The Republican Hip Hop Task Force. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. because it was a regular day for Donald Trump. He had not one, but two criminal trials today. One in New York, one in Georgia at the exact same time. The only way to follow all the action was to have multiple TVs. That's why I watched all the proceedings today at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I had the hot habeas jalapeno boppers. 
And is this just tomorrow? Tomorrow, Judge Angoron is expected to issue a verdict in Trump's $370 million civil fraud trial. And I'll tell you right now, whatever he rules, I believe the verdict is unfair to me. Because <laughs> I don't have a show tomorrow. And justice delayed is punchlines denied. <laughs> those, those three. We learned earlier that it went up to 400. <laughs> Mm. And 54 million, 500,000, or 53 million. Oh my God. All right, continue. Those three are just today and tomorrow. He's also facing the January 6th trial in Washington, D.C., the classified documents case in Florida, Colorado, trying to throw him off the ballot for insurrection, and his appeal in the verdict of the E. Jean Carroll defamation case in which a jury has already found that Trump committed sexual assault. And yet, despite all this, People want to hire this maniac to be president. Oh, in light of all that, in light of all that, I'd like to make a brief public service announcement. This is <laughs> up. <laughs> Look, I know, I know how numb we've become, but it's not normal. No other candidate for the presidency has ever had to pause his campaign and defend himself in multiple courts. Mm. And I would like to point out that in all seven of his cases, no one, no one doubts that he did these things. We're just sitting around patiently waiting to find out if the wheels of justice will grind fast enough for there to be any consequences. And the media is covering it like it's any other political story, like it's all horse race. But in this horse race, one of the horses is old. <laughs> well, one of the horses is old, has hoof and mouth disease, and keeps quoting horse Hitler. <laughs> now, at least send him to the glue factory. <laughs> at least in one case, things are not looking good for Trump. This morning, he was here in New York, where he is facing 34 counts of falsification of business records over the hush money payment to porn star Stormy Daniels. Trump's lawyers were doing their best to delay this case, but the judge was not having it. He announced the trial would be moving forward two minutes after the hearing got underway. Two minutes, okay? Which is twice as long as Trump last year was stormy. So she says, now the trial, the trial begins March 25th. And in this historic case, the former president will be represented by Trump attorney and most expensive dish on the cannibal restaurant menu, Todd Blanche. Todd Blanche tried in vain to argue that the case was a discombobulated package of politically motivated charges. Coincidentally, according to Stormy, Trump also has a discombobulated package. <laughs> but Judge uh, Juan Merchan wasn't buying it and got frustrated with Blanche's bombastic court style. The judge snapped, stop interrupting me please, and Mr. Blanche, please have a seat. Trump's lawyers are acting out so much at this point that judges have to come to court with a spray bottle. No, no, Mr. Blanche, not on the table, not down, 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 bad lawyer. great day for Donald Trump. But he told reporters, this isn't just about him. It's a sad day. It's a sad day for New York. Is it though? <laughs> I got a 
a room full of New Yorkers right here. Let me check. How do you feel about uh, Trump facing criminal justice? They hide their grief well. The case Trump did not attend was down in Atlanta, where the former president is charged with attempting to overturn the 2020 Georgia election. But today's hearing was about whether to disqualify the prosecutor, which could delay the case for months. The prosecutor in question is Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, seen here realizing that YouTube won't let her skip this ad for Verbo. <laughs> At issue is Willis's romantic relationship with a member of her team, special prosecutor and alluring stranger on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> Nathan Wade, both Willis and Wade have acknowledged the relationship. Okay, it's gonna be strange for Donald Trump to be involved in legal proceedings that center around a consensual relationship. <laughs> what do you mean, you were both into it? How does that work? <laughs> do you sign the NDA at the same time? I don't, just tell me who pays who, that's what I wanna know. <laughs> but the lawyers for one of Trump's for one of Trump's co-defendants alleged that the two were romantically involved when Willis hired Wade in 2021 to manage the investigation. Of course, tales of courtroom lust are nothing new. We all remember the classic film, 12 Horny Men. <laughs> now, if they were already dating, the defendant's lawyers say Willis is guilty of conflicts of interest, claiming that Willis paid Wade more than $650,000 for his work and then profited personally when he used that money to take her on expensive vacations, including cruises in the Bahamas. Profited personally, I think is a generous description of taking a cruise. Honey, would you like to spend a week on a floating norovirus Petri dish where all the children have peed in the pool? Before you answer, there's a magician. Now, Willis and Wade say they started their relationship after he was hired and they argue that even if the allegations about their relationships were true, they wouldn't warrant disqualification from the Trump case. Well, yeah, their personal lives don't have anything to do with the facts of the case. It has been established that lawyers are allowed to have sex in the legal precedent of suits. <laughs> now, I got something, I got something. I got something. But today in court, one of Willis's former colleagues uh, said uh, in testimony that the relationship began right after the two met in 2019, an allegation that Willis disputed today vehemently. When I met him, Judge Reeves introduced us. He handed me his business card. I'm unsure if I handed him my business card, but we exchanged information. He said, if you ever need any help, give me a call. And he walked to the parking lot. Um, so after after that, you started dating shortly thereafter, correct? That's a lie. That's one of your lies. Now, I don't know who's telling the truth here yet, but I will say exchanging business cards isn't exactly a meet cute. <laughs> the movie's not called When Harry Networked with Sally. <laughs> now, at one point, Willis had had enough and really laid into the opposing counsel. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. Damn straight. It's true, Donald Trump and his associates are on trial in this 
one of the most important cases in the history of our republic. So, and I've just got one follow-up question here. Given that if you are removed from the prosecution, it could delay this trial until after the election. How good was this sex? <laughs> good enough to risk democracy over? Because I've never had sex that good. You, you, know, you know what really feels good? Donald Trump going to prison. is what they call the real happy ending. Now, Trump, Trump keeps mixing up people in his speeches, like saying, you know, Obama was who he ran against when he met Biden, and, and Nikki Haley was in control of the Capitol when he met Nancy Pelosi. And this makes a lot of people question his mental competency. So last night in a rally down in South Carolina, he offensively went on the defensive. When I say that Obama is the president of our country, blah, 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 they go, he doesn't know. That's Biden, he doesn't know. So it's very hard to be sarcastic. When I interpose, because I'm not a Nikki fan and I'm not a Pelosi fan. And when I purposely interpose names, they said he didn't know Pelosi from Nikki, from Tricky Nikki, Tricky Nikki. What's happening? Is he just doing stream of consciousness slam poetry? Tricky Nicky, Tricky Dicky, Slicky Licky, Sticky Wicky, Fuzzy Wuzzy, Wooly Willy, Free Willy, Well. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> then, then, he, then he went on and claimed that Biden's presidency has been hurting us on the world stage. Perhaps most importantly, we are a nation that is no longer admired, respected, or listened to on the world stage. Yes, we are no longer a respecter. <laughs> Reminds me of that Aretha Franklin song. six-time Grammy award-winning singer and songwriter who has sold over 160 million records worldwide and is a rock and roll hall of famer. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Mr. Billy Joel.
It's not MSG, but it'll have to do. Nice to see you again. Hang on. Thank you. Good. Excellent. Now, you, I, uh, I I wrote uh, to basically thank you for your new song, Turn the Lights Back On, because I absolutely love it. You, you call this, you call this your, your first new song in 30 years. That I wrote to release as a record, yes. Okay. The last time you were on here, uh, we talked about songwriting, and you said that you didn't you weren't that interested in, in writing new songs. What changed and why did you lie to me? <laughs> I didn't expect this to happen. Uh, this is something that just developed uh, starting about ten, two years ago. Uh, I met a guy who was a fan and uh, he wanted to try to get me to think about doing new music again. I thought I was just going to meet some kid who wanted to say hi and that was the end of that. But I sat down with him, we had a lunch, uh, we were out in Sag Harbor, and he started talking about songwriting. He knew what he was talking about. Well, I, I, I love the song. I, I love, you know, time sticks out its tongue, laughs at the portrait of what we've become. Um, uh, did you enjoy writing a song? Did you enjoy releasing a song again? Did you miss that? And, and can we expect more? I enjoyed the interaction with the musicians. Uh, was, this wasn't so much about the music business for me. It was more about the music, mm -hmm. just concentrating on the music. And that's what made it more enjoyable. Well, you, and, and you told Rolling Stone in, in 2019 um, that you actually have a lot of music that no one's heard. I, what's, why won't you let us hear it, Billy Joel? <laughs> are, you like, are you like J.D. Salinger? Are you the Salinger of music where you write every day but just won't let us hear it? I can kind of relate to Salinger. I, I kind of oh, really? understand, yeah, kind of hiding out. Um, why, have, because he enjoyed writing but didn't like the publishing business. The whole, you know, uh, uh, star aspect of it, the celebrity aspect of it, it can be a little off-putting. Mm -hmm. It's just sometimes it's too much. But Billy, there's nothing better than being famous, right? <laughs> there's some things that are better. <laughs> but other people say your name and suddenly you have validity. Well, I, because without the audience's praise, how are we anything? <laughs> well, what I had said that I have music that no one's ever heard, it's not songs, it's, oh. it's notes, it's music. It's instrumental music, it's orchestral music, or melodic music, but I, didn't, I wasn't writing words. Um, well, you debuted Turn the Lights Back On at the Grammys, and we have a clip right here. This crowd right here, the crowd there was very excited to see you at the Grammys. You've got six Grammys yourselves. Do you enjoy the award shows? I like the interaction with the other musicians. It was fun. I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> yeah, so 
when they make it a contest, I'm not comfortable with that. Whose song is better than whose song? Who's who wins? Who loses? Um, you know, and Billy without the awards for our show. <laughs> how will anything fill the unfillable hole in our hearts? <laughs> we'll figure out a way. Okay, all right. But I, you know, I, I was at the Grammys a couple of years ago, and you know how they set it up. Um, they have a celebrity in this seat, and then they fill the seats in between the other celebrity with like good-looking people. Yeah. And they have seat fillers. So I saw Sting at the last one of the last Grammys, and we decided the hell with where they want to stick us in the seats. Let's sit together. <laughs> and then we decided, you know how the camera loves to show when they announce the winner of a Grammy or an award, the loser is always on camera going like this. <laughs> So we said, you know, let's just make faces and, and somebody else wins. And we did that the whole show. They didn't show it because I, what? We were having a blast. That would have been Super Bowl ratings. It was great. And the winner is not you. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Billy Joel, everybody. Stick around. Hold on, everybody. See if we can squeeze another one in here. We'll finish it tomorrow if we don't get it all done today. Let's see what we can do. Along with this good news about new music from Billy Joel that we get to hear, there's there's a, there's a little bit of sad, little bittersweet news out there is that you have announced your last performance. July 25th, it'll be your 150th performance at MSG. And now, you know, there you go. Here it is. Anybody driving by, that sign is up there half the time you go by MSG right there. This is Billy Joel. That's your MSG, you know. Why'd you decide to stop? We've been there for 10 years, and I don't want to outstay my welcome. I thought, you know, better to leave before they kick you out. Okay. But it, it was a, it's a great gig. It's it's a great venue. The acoustics are great. It's our home. We've been there for a long time. Is it really home? Because it's so huge. Do you, does it feel homey to you? After I tell you, we were playing stadiums a lot too. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been doing a lot of stadiums, and you go back to the garden and say, "Oh, our club." <laughs> it feels smaller, and um, it doesn't mean we can't go back there and play again. It's just this, this is the last gig in this residency. Okay. Um, before you finish the residency, do you know anybody who can get me tickets to see you? Because Evan and I really want to come see the show. Is that right? Can I call you? Talk to me. Okay. Number five. <laughs> when you go out, how, how, how many people do you play to there? 20,000? How many people in the, in the At garden? the garden is 20,000, you're still in the round. Okay. Um, when you go out and there's 20,000 people waiting to hear you play, how quickly can you know if it's a good audience? Pretty much immediately. Yeah. Uh, if they're psyched and you walk out and you hear that noise. A little crackle? Well, it's, it's more than, more than a... Like, <laughs> <you're> like, 
Oh, this is going to be a good show. Yeah. You know, there's when you're playing, when you're performing, there's an exchange of energy. You give something to them, they give something to you, it goes back and forth all night. It's like a reciprocal emotional relationship. <laughs> And, you know, it's, it's, I tend to compare it to sex. If, if you're having sex and there's no noise, you're not doing it right. You gotta get more. Or, or mom and dad are upstairs. There's that too, but that, you know, I wasn't thinking of that. But uh, you need some feedback. You know, if, if you're getting noise back, that means, okay, this is going well. Is it true that you no longer sell the tickets to the front row of your shows? I stopped doing that about 20 years ago. Okay, what was the motivation of not you know, selling the front row? Well, I would look down uh, from the stage and the front, they, they, the scalpers sell the tickets to the front row. Oh, so people pay way too much money for the tickets. We're not worth like $50,000 for tickets in the front. And they're sitting there like this. Okay, entertain me, piano man. <laughs> you know, and you're like, come on, where are the fans? And you hear the fans in the back. Right. So I decided, you know what? I'm not going to sell the front rows. I'm going to send my road crew with fistfuls of tickets to the back of the room, bring the people, the real fans, up to the front. Okay. And that makes a difference. So what's your front row like? Then the front rows, they're all enthusiastic to be there. Now, this, here's the codicil. The guys in my road crew are guys. <laughs> so they're going to go back to the back of the room, and who do you think they're going to bring up to the front? <laughs> Cute girls. Right. So we look down, and we go, my, this is a good-looking audience. <laughs> and the show goes, Phew, like that. So I was doing this um, when I was on the road with Elton John. Yeah. And Elton goes, why don't you sell in the front rows? Why don't you sell in the front rows? And I explained it to him, and he went, like a little light bulb went off over his head. And he's like, uh-huh. So the next night, Elton's doing his part of the show. And you can see in front of Elton, there's all these cute boys. <laughs> he learned the thing, too. There you go. And his show went, boom, like that. So it's a win-win. Now you famously, you famously used to get into MSG by helicopter. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I wish I could land a chopper on the top of the Ed Sullivan Theater because <laughs> the traffic is terrible. When you, when you, do you, do you, you don't do that anymore? I stopped doing it. I got a little freaked out. Sometimes there's a little turbulence in the helicopter. Okay, so I now take the Long Island Railroad. <laughs> really, you just go, you just go to the bottom of MSG and take a railroad. You're there. right there. The train lets you off right there. The other thing is, why don't you take a Greyhound on the New York, uh, on the Hudson River Line? I did that already. Oh, okay, all right. The other thing, I uh, I took, uh, you, you get in the car sometimes, you, you run out of the, the Madison Square Garden. Now, for like two and a half hours, you're on stage, you're Mussolini. They're yelling your name, they're clapping, they're cheering, they're loving. Then you jump in the car and you're driving to New York traffic and you're just another schmuck. <laughs> You know, in traffic. Sure. Yeah. Wait a minute, I was just Mussolini. What happened to me? <laughs> and some people can't handle that transition. Billy Joel, the Mussolini of music. <laughs> now, uh, 
this network, CBS, uh, it will be filming the 100th concert of your residency. It should be your 146th lifetime show at MSG. And they're going to show that 100th concert in a special that will air on April 14th. Um, it's a sold out residency. Uh, you've sold nearly 2 million tickets. Why, why, why the film? Is this your idea to, to film it so we have a record? This wasn't my idea. I'm, I'm, I'm not a film TV guy. I'm camera shy. Right. I, I'm not looking at that thing. Right. <laughs> You're mostly in it to be with the other musicians, I understand. I'm, it's, it's fun to hang out with the other musicians, yes. We've taken a little break here, but don't go away. Billy Joel, when we come back. Well, I think we should just say thank you, everybody, because of the time. Mm -hmm. And we'll finish the next, the final part of this tomorrow. And so what we want to do is we want to pass this talking stick real quick to our sister, Rainbird. Here it comes. It's got all of angels, fairies, brothers, rainbows, crystals, and all the little people and the big beings and all the great beings of life. Here it comes, Rainbird. Hmm. Rainbird? Ooh. Rainbird? Here, Here, sorry. sorry. <laughs> All righty, well, there you are. Yeah, um, yeah, it was great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was fun tonight, lots of good stuff. And I just fell asleep right after Stephen Colbert. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you woke me up. And I won't have any trouble going back to sleep. But thank you for tonight, and look forward to coming back later this afternoon and doing this some more. So I pass the talking stick. Okay. Um, I think we'll save the goodbyes to tomorrow, too, because it's past TJ's bedtime and probably all the rest of us. Ooh. But we're so grateful to be together like this, and... Things are moving into a higher vibration all the time. Good vibrations to everyone. And see you in your dreams and on the bridge. Satnam. Satnam ki. 13 thank yous. Honey in the heart. No evil. Live long and prosper. Good night, everybody. Namaste. Namaste.